new lot. You listen to Garage Hammer. Episode 165. On tonight's episode, the fat manling gets all excited because apparently they found another race of my people and they're all encased in metal and flying and doing crazy stuff and he's far more excited than the new manling. I'll tell you that right now. And then, after talking about my race, which should be a show in and of itself, let's be honest, then he talks about the book City of Secrets and he spoils it completely so he reveals also it's city of no more secrets when he's done I guess but that's neither here nor there so shut it I'm listening to me show welcome to the garage you tools for the next two hours or thereabouts we'll do our best to keep you informed entertain and have a laugh or two along the way bringing you what's going on what's next and exploring civilization in the realm of beasts I'm Alex Gonzalez and I'm Abraham Lincoln back to that I'm gonna. I'm running the gambit. I'm just. I'm. I'm. I'm having my second childhood here as I run through all the old, <laughs> all the old names. All right. Why not? All right. All right. Uh, uh, so what's going on, brother? Oh, just this weekend is coming way too quickly, and I am not ready. Yeah, I realized I might have a few more things to base, which won't be that much of a problem. But I like. I want to add these two characters to my list. Oh well, I guess I better paint them then. So I got about seventy-two hours to get those two. It's not. It's two guys. It won't be a big hassle. But mm-hmm. whatever, it's going to happen. It's getting done. Ah, as you can probably tell, I have a cold, or I had a cold, and now I'm over it. But my throat's going to be like this for a couple of days. So I'm going to get to Adepticon, and if my voice hasn't changed, people are all going to be like, stay away from me, man. I'm like, Dude, I'm already past that. But what are you going to do, right? Yeah, I'm getting over it myself, and it's coming at the right time. Yeah. So hopefully this weekend I won't yell my lungs out, because uh, that'll be good. Nor I. But once again, as I mentioned last episode, if I do, when I come back on Sunday, I start spring break, so... You got a week to recover. I just get Monday, so yeah. it's it's kind of a beautiful thing. So, mm-hmm. all right. So, um, before we get rolling, we should thank our sponsors, should we not? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, as always, we need to take a moment to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer. Um, yes, the sponsors yes. of Garage Hammer are Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. And Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. All your base are come from them. That's good. I like that. I like that slogan. Yeah, that's much, much better. Yeah, it works. <coughs> oh, pardon me. So um, we should also thank our Patreon associate producers, James Mackey and Shirley Tempel, and also welcome our newest patrons, Gary Marshall and Claudius Schmidt, which is like, hmm. that's, a, like that's a $25 handle right there. Claudius that's a classy Schmidt. name. Yeah, no kidding. Right there. That's a guy who's either a gentleman spy or the guy who's trying to kill the gentleman spy after the game of poker. That's what I picture. Hmm. Sounds right. Your target's name is Claudius Schmidt. Now watch, he's all offended because we're, we're like associating his name with stuff he doesn't like. And next thing I know, it's like, oh, it's, it's canceled. Okay, but who doesn't like James Bond? Come on. I, I, I guess there's some people. 
I know, and they're they can be wrong all they want. Yeah, yeah, that is that is true. People are allowed to be as wrong as they want to be. See, um, all right. So let's do these things. Uh, the housekeeping. We got emails. We got several emails. I want to thank the people who sent in emails. Um, okay, Andre Spots sent me this email. Um, and he's like, hey, I heard you talking about the impossible geography on the realms and, uh, you know, how people would always fall off. And then he sent me some videos about flat earth theory. And I don't think he believes in it. Like, it seemed like he was just like, hey, because the one link he sent me was like the guy explaining how it's supposed to keep you from falling off the world. But why that night, that whole theory, you know, doesn't really hold up against like physics and stuff and science. Mm-hmm. Um that's some weird stuff. <laughs> like, I wasn't, and I don't really think um, that, like, you know, these these things that you see in the in the in the books, the the realms, like especially the realm of metal with all the different levels and stuff. It mm-hmm. doesn't seem like that's spinning. So I don't know that that would. If it's not spinning, I don't know how it's going to keep people. But oh, that was just those are some. <laughs> that, there's some interesting ideas about how the universe is and how science works and stuff. Um. Yeah, I had no idea people thought things like that. So that was an hmm. interesting video. If you haven't seen it, you should look at some of them. There's some really interesting explanations on why, if you have the flat Earth, people won't fall off um, because of the spin and the gravity and the reversals and the push. And I was like, oh, boy. Um, but that was a fun video. Uh, let's see. What else? Um Oh, Charles Bell, uh, he wanted to know if we thought that the Spire of Dawn set was a preamble to a bunch of Elf releases. Um, And I was going to say I don't know, but then they just announced on Warhammer Community that there's going to be a corn compendium and a new, a whole new race of dwarves. So I guess my answer is probably no. No. Not for a while. We may, we probably won't see anything elfish until the summer, assuming because I mean, eighth ed forty k is supposed to drop this summer, right? That's if that's so. in June. Uh, you got this all coming out in April, so unless they release another brand new army in May, the month before they release the new forty k, I got a feeling it'll be later summer even. Yeah, but I mean, to be fair, they've been turning and burning on both sides, so they they could do it if they really wanted to. Oh, I'm not trying to stop them. In no, fact, you not know what? At all. No, I don't think they can. I'd like to see them try to put out an elf release in in May with books and maybe some new models and more books. I I I'd love to see them try. That's the reverse psychology there, Alexi. Now they're going to do it just to prove they can. It's not like I'm a therapist and I didn't know what you were doing anyway. Okay, I'm just I'm just I did not show on the same page. Oh, oh yeah. Back. We'll get back to the show. Um, right, right. And then we got, <laughs> we got um, another email uh, from a proud day one Patreon patron, Phil Elliott. Uh, he says he likes he loves Alex as the new official co-host of the show. And it's so funny because a lot of times people will be like, dude, Alex is such a great ad. It's so good. You really need it, Alex. Not that you weren't good. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it was pretty rough when I was solo, and so just you don't have to say it. It's so cool. I know that it's good that we got Alex here. Um, he wants to thank us for the Flesh Eater Courts review. He says the book pretty much sat on his shelf since he bought it, 
But uh, he's going to take another look at it after listening to our coverage of it. And I think that's a good plan because that's a that's a cool book. It is a very awesome book. Yeah. Uh, he also mentions now he's more into the hobby now than he ever was before. Um, and he says that's been helped out by shows like us and Helen Hammer and Face Hammer and the Black Sun. And that's, that's, that's good company. So I was like, thank you. Uh, and then the rest of his email was about the Azir app. Uh, he wants to know what we think of it because he's not convinced it's worth a dollar a month, like recurring charge, like, you know, pay the 12 bucks a year to to keep uh, to keep the scores, the you know, the current points and things and print it out when you could use other things. I don't know. Um, what do you think? Have you used it? Have you used it? I've actually? not um, just because I really haven't had the chance to. With everything else going on, um, yeah. The only thing is, it's it's prone to bugs. Well, um, everything is when it comes out. I heard it had it was really buggy the first like weekend, and now it's a little better. That's what I was told. Yeah, and it's still got some issues. Um, and I don't know if this is just the handbook related issues with regards to like Beast Claw Allegiance Behemoth losing the Behemoth Battlefield role, oh. just because it says Battlefield if Beast Claw Raiders, which doesn't make any damn sense. So I think they add Battlefield, but according to the app, it takes it away. Um, And then it's still got the old versions (laughs) of... Yeah. And then it's still got the old versions of the Terrorgeist and the Zombie Dragon. Um, Oh. So that creates a whole another can of worms with regards to, well, it's still there, so I can still play with it. Okay, what's its points value? It's the same value as the new one. No. Um, No. 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 I don't think so, Tim. But <laughs> it's uh, it's from what I understand. If it's as good as it says it is, then you know what, awesome. And for the cost of a pizza for a year, I think that's the uh, equivalent. Um, it's really not that bad. Yeah, I don't know. you know, a buck a month. I've, I've paid. I've paid. I've paid more than that for for worse content. Yeah, if you, you don't know. get one soda a month. To have it on your phone and it's right there and it saves everything. So I mean, it's cool. It just it's really just a matter of what you prefer yeah. to do. Because I mean, we have Scroll Builder, um, which is fantastic, an awesome community resource. Um, the only but, thing that I want to know is um, if you can add your little all your options to your stuff on the Azir app, and if you can, mm-hmm. does it have like the thing listing the rules? Because you know how you can look those things up. Um, yeah, that would be really cool because that's the one thing you can't do, like even on Scroll Builder, which is awesome. And I use it a lot. Um, mm-hmm. It's not even blocked at work. Um, nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but if you don't have the book with you, then when you click on all the little special rules, like there's just the names of the rules. Uh, and sometimes I don't remember them all uh, because I'm I, I, just, just the new stuff from the Stormcast book. And I'm like, which of these is which? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have that. Um and if the app had that, that would be one thing that would say, hey. But like I said, I like Scroll Builder. I use it a bunch. So um, I don't know. I got to check it out. Uh, I was planning on checking it out after Adepticon as well. Yeah, um, that'll probably be when I look into it. Yeah, so uh, that's about it um, for uh, for emails. Lots of emails. But we did have some voicemails, Alex. Did you know we had voicemail? We do have voicemail. We do have wow. voicemail. And the number is 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. That's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. International callers in most countries. 001-757-GH-SHOW-6. You can even call Canada. 
but you know what? You couldn't call Canada to talk to Lindsay because she's here with me. <coughs> Albino Canadian hockey puck sitting right here smiling at me on Aww. top of my recorder. I might bring her with to Adepticon, sit her on the table so she could watch the Oh, TV. you should. Should I? You could use her as a coaster, too. Oh, that's rude. I bet you she, 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 heard, she heard you. Now she's... Okay. All right. All right I'm listen. sorry, Lindsay. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, here, let me play these voicemails, and we can listen to them together and enjoy us uh, a glee or whatever you want to call it. So hold on. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> First one is from a caller. Hey, Dave. This is Frank calling from the frozen wastes of Idaho. Uh, I just wanted to uh, let you know there's some new dwarves on the horizon. I just saw a reveal for the Caradron Overlords, some kind of uh, Duarden steampunk amalgamation. I got pretty excited for you. Not really my thing, but uh, I know you like the dwarves, and uh, they look pretty good. Check them out. I just wanted to say, hey, I really appreciate the show, all the hard work you guys are doing. I really enjoy listening, and uh, it's really improved uh, the quality of my hobby over the last couple months as I'm getting caught up on the back episodes as I'm painting. Keep up the good work. Thanks, guys. That w- that was a nice uh, that was a nice message. Yeah, yeah. Good so, to hear from Idaho. Absolutely. So let's see now. And uh, yeah, the, yeah, I saw those too, and we're going to talk about them. And, yeah. and how awesome they are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, hey, at least it'll add for interesting discussion because we'll have differing opinions. Here's another call. I'm going to play all three of these. Let's get these ones done. So here's the next one. Playing it for you uh, right now. Hey, David. This is Alex from St. George, Utah. Just got to say, I love the show. I enjoy the direction it's going been spreading it around to my little buddies here in the Mojave Wargaming Club. Shout out to them. And uh, just really wanted to thank you. I love your content. And uh, please keep it up. Bye. Oh, that was nice, too. Yeah, in Utah. Utah. Way out west. Getting from all over, including near the mythical state of Idaho. Wow. That's crazy. It's just all over the country. We had a call from China once. We did get a call from China. Well, I didn't get a call from China. You got a call from China. That was kind of awesome. And then we get calls from Europe, and we get calls. We can call from Europe. No one's called us from the Arctic or the Antarctic. And I don't think we've gotten a call from Africa, although we might have. We need a call from South America. Yeah, we need one of those, too. So, see, I'm trying to hit all the continents. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, hold on. Uh, Last one. This one's a bit longer. But uh, and, okay, and then uh, we'll be done with the voicemails, and we'll go to a commercial. Finally, hold on. Hi, Dave. This is Jacob from California, longtime listener, longtime beast starter, and I've actually I'm actually now Jacob from Nashville because I moved. But anyway, I was listening to your Flesh Eater Courts review with new co-host Alex Gonzalez. Thumbs up. Really enjoying it. And I then, yesterday, played in a 1K tournament and played against a guy who had never played AOS before. It was his first day of AOS, and he was running Flesh Eater Courts. And thanks to you guys, I actually, we told a whole story. This wasn't a narrative event. We were supposed to be playing match play, 1K. We were supposed to be going at each other. 
But we were, honestly, the bottom table and having a good time with that. And so we started telling stories. And I wanted to share with you some of those that came about that we never would have told if we hadn't been listening to your Garage Hammer story review. So I wanted to share with you some of those stories. I was playing Corn Demons with a couple Bloodbound mixed in. And he was playing a full Flesh Eater Quartz group with a abhorrent Ghoul King on a Terrorgeist and a Vargulf Cotier and Crypt Ghouls and some Crypt Horrors. It was great. And uh, so I, at one point, decided I was going to charge my Blood Reavers into his Vargulf Cotier, which didn't turn out so well because the Vargulf ate four of my Blood Reavers, put a pretty big beating on them. And then I realized, hold on a second, my Blood Reavers are also cannibals. So we decided that my Blood Reavers looked at each other and said, hey, he just ate Kevin and Tim. We were going to eat Kevin and Tim. And we decided that that whole fight was over who got to eat the rest of their family. Turns out the uh, Blood Reavers got their revenge and got to eat the Vargle for dinner. So in a way, they got to still eat their family members, uh, but they didn't have the chance to sort of prepare them nicely and have them for dinner with a nice Chianti and some fava beans. The other part of the story we were telling is that he kept using the Vargul's ability to the king to regrow ghouls and more ghouls and more ghouls and more ghouls. I really should have won some combats that he kept bringing guys back, but we kept deciding, you know, he's, he's rousing the troops to fight. He's calling them. For our king, we must vanquish these evil denizens of the deep who have come to steal our treasures. Which is what they heard. And of course, what everyone else heard was... So, in summation, your storytelling has helped me tell more stories with my games. It's helped me have more fun with the hobby, because I wouldn't have known all the background stories of this group. And... It's also given me something to do while walking my dog, either listening to you. I think he hit the three-minute limit there. <laughs> yeah. So, yep, that was it. So, But uh, people are uh, telling stories based off of after listening to us telling stories. So that's pretty good, I guess. We're yeah. Doing a good thing. So lots of voicemails, lots of emails, lots of people getting in touch with us. And um, we do appreciate it. That's pretty cool, all those people. So, uh, ugh, you know what? I think we need to take a quick break. And we come back, we'll come back with the Garage Hammer News Network and possibly the Toolbox brought to you by KS Superstore. All right, we'll be back in a minute. Folks, Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chess X Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. 
And we are back with the Garage Hammer Network News, or News Network, or whatever we're calling it now. This is my awful uh, news music. Mm. <laughs> but you know, yeah, it's not, you know it's not awful. The new corn book? What's coming up in April, that's right, starting with the new corn book. <laughs> yeah. Dude, the new corn book, so it's going to be basically the Zinch book with corn. Is that basically what I'm understanding? Yeah, and they've they announced it on the Warhammer community page, so it's looking like we're not getting any new models. But corn is stacked to the gills with figs, so they really had nothing they needed. Um, yeah, I but, can't disagree with that. Like corn's got so much stuff; they're yeah. good. I mean, so getting to put it all together. I mean, Bloodbound. It looks like it's going to be primarily Bloodbound and demons. So I don't think it's going to really touch the slaves to darkness stuff. Um, I kind of wish they would, at least a little bit. You'd think, but they're kind of the catch-all, because they can technically go any which way they want, except for the Sorcerer. Right. So, maybe they're just leaving that as the flex faction, but... Um, in any event, I mean, you really don't even need some slaves to stuff, except for, like, the War Shrine. I think that would be an auto-include in these books, but, you know, whatever's clever. Um, it's just a matter of how far they're going to go, because there's only so many axes that you can make realistically. I mean, I know they're going to give it a damn good try to figure out how many different axes they can make. Two-handed axe of corn. Great axe of corn. Really yeah. sharp axe of corn. Angry axe of corn. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot The cornate of- corn axe of corn. Mm. Corn on a cob axe. See, I um, knew someone was going to go there. Oh, you have to. It's a perfectly corny joke. The cornflake um, axe. Oh, that's terrible. At least makes you get a frosted flake axe. See, then it doesn't say corn. I guess. It's the point. I know, but I like frosted flakes better. Anyway, so um, no, we got the new corn book coming out, which will be awesome. Um, and then there's that other release that yeah. I know you're all jacked yes. about. Yes, the Karadron Overlords. Um, apparently, there's another race of dwarf out there that we didn't even know about. And, you know, how, how awesome is that? There's another race of Dwarden. We thought they were split into the two between Grimnir and Grungeny. And guess what? There's a third race. That's more Dwarden for me to collect. I've already told Kathleen I want one of everything. Unless it's a dual kit. And then I'll probably need two of that one. Yeah. And why? I because I, I, hey, I got the Fire Slayers. I got these guys. I, come on. Dwarves are my first army. I talked to dwarves till people would leave nasty emails and reviews saying, that guy just talks about his dwarves too damn much. Yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily like a new race of Dwarven, but like a new society. Um, it is like a new army to the AOS scene, comparatively speaking. Um, but a new fashion I, of Dwarden, and then there was some information. And blimps and jetpacks. They're and not the hats. descendants of Grungeny. Neither are they the Firebrand Berserkers. 
and the fractured god Grimnir. They have become a race unto themselves, separated from their kin through the centuries. Yes! New race of Titan. Sure. Um, and then yeah. I click on the big pictures, and I look at the pictures, and I just say, wow. Boy, there were people who hated the gyrocopters and stuff. And I'm just like, oh, this is just like even more. This is just more. Yeah. Oh, it makes me so happy. And it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I don't, it's like, well, how can it fly if it's in a if if the if the balloon is steel? It's encasing the balloon. It's super magic air. I don't care. Look at those pictures. Come on, these are pretty gorgeous. Even if you're not a huge fan of, of sure. Dwarden, these are some pretty impressive models. And and uh, let me ask you this: Do you not like it because you just don't like steampunk, or because you don't like dwarfs? Because I know you played orcs and goblins for a long time, and we we all know that. Basically, that that they're not as good as the dwarves, so I just didn't know if that was what you were. Um, no, it's I'm not. Super, I don't understand steampunk. Um, <laughs> it's just I mean I to some people I sure I get the appeal. Um, because you know some of them are cool. Um, it's just when it becomes like over the top and oh yeah, this this definitely to me went there. Um, and I understand why, but you know, guys with top hats and uh, Victorian age future tech—that's so awesome. Yeah, but did they have to give the dwarf with the balloon jetpack a chain fist? Um, I got I, no problem I, with a chain sword. If you're going to invent all this other stuff, you wouldn't think to put a chain on your sword. The, a chain on your sword is the exclusive uh, content of the far, far future. I doubt it. No. See what I mean, I'm, I'm saying? Sure yeah, not, I mean, it's, it's just, not a... I don't know. I don't really like them. I don't... It's okay. I mean, it's, Say what you think. It's different. Um, it's just, I don't really jive so with folks, the So, folks, if you're thinking of sending Dwarden to the show, send him to David, not Alex, because he don't want him. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's a little much for me. Um, I'm so excited. I mean, I just, the guns everywhere, yeah. you know, guys with anchors, and every yep. unit has got like six different guns that are all sorts of craziness. And then the guy in the top hat, I just, it's not for me, but I'm glad that people are excited about it. Yeah. They're flying around out in the ether doing pirate stuff. Come on, it's pirates too. Axes and, 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 and. But it's a dwarf with a sword. How are you reconciling that? Not, you know, only some of them have swords. I see a lot of axes on these guys. And so okay, it's a short sword. Also what an do? anchor. That's a that's a pickaxe, dude. That's an anchor. Uh, I, it may look like an anchor. But I'm telling <laughs> you, that could be used as a pickaxe because they're dwarves. Hmm. That's, I'm, I'm calling that the pickaxe... Anchor, and it can be used as both. One dude's carrying an organ gun. He's just carrying the organ gun. <laughs> it's got a, it's a shotgun with five barrels, all right out at angles. He's carrying an organ gun. And, like, three other guys have, like, super cannons. This is like a Devastator squad. That guy's got mm-hmm. a weapon. I don't even know what that is. It looks, maybe it's a, maybe it's a flamethrower. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's an ice gun. That would be awesome. This guy's got a giant super shotgun blunderbuss. 
This guy's got a big cannon cannon. This guy's got a cannon with a shield to protect the guy behind it because maybe that explodes funny. Who knows? Who cares? It's cool. Now what about this guy? Wait a minute. Let me see this guy. Oh, this is one of those character guys. He's got a big hammer and another. Th- oh, it's just they've all got their little customized funky beards. Everyone's got their own beard and their own head done their own way because they all design their own armor because they're dwarves. I don't even know what this guy is. This one guy's got a weird holding this weird bent handle thing with a globe in it. And he's got another thing that looks like it's got different parts of a telescope in it. Like he doesn't even those don't look like weapons. Those look like he's just figuring out where they're going or something. Um, that's okay. This guy's got I, this guy's got a, a a Geiger counter. It looks like. Dude looks sure. like he's got a Geiger counter. He's got one thing he's holding that looks like a readout thing and another thing that looks like it's going to shoot out like 20 shots of silly string or maybe it's a cheese grater, electric cheese grater or something like that. But it's doing something. And then other dude, he got a curly mustache too and he got a giant thing going and boom, I'm carrying an axe the size of Cleveland. I think they call that the Cleveland axe. And then they got this big tank behind it that's the steam engine. So they got that Cleveland steamer going here. Wamp, 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 wamp. So that's what I'm... I hate to burst your balloon, Dave, but no. That's... I'm telling you. And then the one guy's got the weird top hat, and I don't even care, because I'm like, oh. The blimps are cool in aesthetic design. Um, I do appreciate those. I do want to see just how big these things are, and I guess Duncan is going to have some of these things for his seminars at Adepticon this weekend. So... (laughs) I know you signed up for one, so have fun. Sunday at 2. Yeah. That's right. I cannot wait. Sunday at 2, I'll be sitting in a room with the dunk, learning painting stuff. Mm-hmm. Very excited. This is super. Um, this is wonderful. Dude, it's exciting, though. Come on. Two books. Corn's getting, yeah, no, Corn's getting all put together in a bound edition with all the extra bits and bobs that they've been giving to the newest books. And a whole nother race. Like, they're just, they're not, you know, they're like, hey, look, we're throwing out a whole nother race here. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm hoping that, now, my, I, got, I do have one concern. I'm going to say my, I'm going to say this, okay? I'm looking at 12 pictures on the Warhammer community site, right? The first picture is the book, so that don't count. So that leaves 11. Five of these are single character model pictures, Okay. So you take out those five, that leaves six. Okay? Of the six non-characters, I see three units and three dirigibles. So I'm just hoping this isn't like Fire Slayers where you literally only have three core units again. Three core units, three flyers instead of three different ways you could have a magma droth and then a bunch of characters. If that's the case, then I'm thinking they might need to you might need to mix your, you know, Make sure Dwarden get a, like a super Dwarden raid, like super. Like, look, here's some fire slayers, and here's some flyer guyers, and here's some regular old dwarves that are half the size of these guys because they're from Eighth Edition and they're not like super scope AOS, but they still work because you can still smash people with a hammer. What about getting in chaos dwarves? Uh, I mean, if you're going to do all the dwarves, wouldn't you want to do all the dwarves? I have no beef with that. In fact, once Bar- once Barnett packages them up and puts them in the mail, I'll have a Chaos Dwarf army. So, Oh, brother. 
yeah, his old his old big hats and all the stuff that you guys gave him. He's like, I never play. I feel guilty. It's sitting here. I'm gonna I'm gonna ship it to you, and you can have it. And you can use it. And then at least you have it on the show, and you can play some games with it when they if anything comes up with them and talk about it. I'm like, oh, that's more that's more dwarf races now. I have I have all the dwarves now. All the dwarves are belong to me. This is a wonderful thing. You have no idea. Okay. I'm excited. I am excited. I can tell. This is new it's stuff. Palpable. <laughs> it's, it is palpable. That is a good, that is a nice $25 definition there, right there. But uh, I don't know. I mean, come on. New fluff, new stories. These guys have been just flying around in the space between the realms for hundreds of years. Just living out there where nobody knew about him. And I drive my truck right through him, and he's standing there with light coming out of his mouth. Nothing? Really? Nothing? You didn't get it? Honestly, you're not no. some big trouble in little China. You want the honest truth? If you say I've never watched Big Trouble in Little China, we're going to have issues. It's been a while. <laughs> so I have, like, no recollection of this movie. Okay. Well, then now I know what we're going to have to do next time we're hanging out and we're not actually playing. Like, the next time we have to come home, we do paint night or something like that. I know it's going to be Big on. Trouble in Little China. Yeah. There are a few things... In life as wonderful as Big Trouble in Little China. I hope some people listening got that reference. Chris, you would have gotten the reference, but he doesn't listen to the show. Mm. So so I I just hope I'm not the only one who was do who, who okay, whatever. Listen, forget about that. Forget it. Uh let's why don't we move on to the toolbox? Unless we got more news. I don't think we got more news. Uh, um Oh yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Oh, yeah. Uh Warhammer Underworlds, uh, Shadespire. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So go ahead. Yeah. Um, we don't know what it's about. Um, all we know is it looks like it's possibly gladiatorial combat. It could be small gang combat, but it's designed for organized play. So who knows what that means? People have talked about like it being a CCG. Um, so collectible card game. I don't know. Well, if it's tactical I, arena combat too, I'm wondering if it's something on. I've heard, uh, you know, small scale, few models, could, uh, you know, with the organized play, that could be like a Friday. You could have like weekly group stuff with this and leagues. Oh stuff. yeah, it could be something like that, um, and who knows? We don't. It's got a stormcast with a bare head, and that really bothers me. Um, but I know. He's got a big sword, so that's cool, I think. Um, yeah. I don't want them with their helmets off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've had this discussion, uh, though. So We have had this discussion. All right. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the last bit that needs to get covered. Um, I hope that's the last bit. I don't think we missed anything else. I don't think so. That's a lot. That's so much. New Dwarden. New Dwarden. I could just do that. That could be like the rest of the show. New Dwarden. 
Like 90 more minutes I could do that Like I would have no problem I would be content I'm just saying I won't Because nobody else Would be content But I could do that And I would feel I would feel it was An evening well spent I'm just saying So Hmm. (laughs) Oh boy Oh boy Man alive Should we move on To the toolbox Yeah All right so what what last minute modeling and craziness have you been doing? Zero. Zero, because you've been um, getting ready for Adepticon. It's been packing. Um that's where I'm at right now. Um and moving terrain. There's a lot of terrain we have to move from the house to the venue um that we oh, were yeah. working on. Um so we've got all these new uh what do you call it? The Dreadfort stuff that we've got coming. So there's a ton of that. I'm looking at three very awesome pieces I'm bringing with me um, that a couple of local guys did. Um, so it's – and I actually am not playing in anything this year. Uh, John Wenger, my buddy for the team tournament, actually bombed out, unfortunately, today. So, oh, no. Yeah, I am stag at the moment. So it's all right. We'll figure it out, but – well, you could um, you could hang with us and play one of my games with Greg Dan. I'm playing Stormcast, so like it's not like you don't know how they play. No, you just have to play with the shiny ones instead of the dark ones because yeah. our color scheme is different. Yeah, but mine are shiny. They fight. Yours happy. are very shiny. Yours look very good. But Thank you. um, yeah. So it's just getting everything ready, set to go for um this weekend. Putting all the spreadsheets together. Carrie's been busy with that. Um. And looking at our numbers, our numbers are pretty good overall. Um, the 1Ks on Thursday oversold. So they went from 40 to 50 plus in each one of them. Wow. Um, yeah. And then the Warhost actually is one that surprised me. It actually undersold. Um, we only have a, about mid-20s playing in the 2500 point. Oh, really? When is that? Yeah. That's on Thursday. That might be why, though. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'd play if I was there Thursday, but I got to work. Like oh, I was yeah. barely able to get off Friday. Yeah, no, I know it's a lot for people, but it's still like that was something that we, even with the big brawl we'd have like you know forty, fifty, sixty ish. Yeah, um, but mid twenties that's pretty low. But I don't. I think that speaks more to what people want out of this game, which is smaller model counts, smaller. Um, games as opposed I mean, to the big stuff. If I had the time, the 1Ks, I'd, I'd play it. But the 1K was fun. We were oh, playing yeah. 1K, and I didn't realize how much fun that could be. Oh, yeah. So, I'm, you know, we can actually even jump over to that because, I mean, I just, I've been trying to paint these couple of character models. I haven't done much either. It's been cold. I'm trying to get grades. In. Quarter ends Friday. Ugh. So, like, and I'm <laughs> there for the last day of the quarter. So I got to get all my stuff done. So I'm, like, working on that, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, so um, uh, I'm not doing too much hobbying either. Like I said, if I can get these two guys done in these next two days, I'll be a happy man. And I still got to go through and double check my whole list and make sure everybody's based properly. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'm happy with their bases, but I don't want to start tearing them up either. Yeah, don't do that. But I'm not now, but I'm saying even after Adepticon, it's like I've never, ever got bases I was really happy with except the ones I made. For the dwarfs, and it took me months to get those all made, and then, 
And now we don't wear it, use square pieces anymore. So, <laughs> so I got to figure something. I'll show them to you, though. Yeah. All right. So uh, gaming. Dude, we got a bunch. We, we had the AOS open play day for people who wanted to come in and maybe get demos mm-hmm. at UGG. And so, so we were only playing like 1,000-point games just in case somebody came in and wanted to get a demo. Those of us who were playing, we'd be finishing up quickly and someone could give them a, give them a game. Um, yeah, yeah. A thousand points is a really different. You got to have a different strategy. Like we were playing those out of the book scenarios, but at a thousand points, you can't go in and dominate and grab all four objectives. Like, no, I, no. Like I had. I mean, I could have if I didn't lose any units. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean that's yeah. that's just not that's not practical. So a lot of these scenarios, like you win if you grab all four. We're going down to points and seeing how many we can grab, you know, and just adding up the ones that we managed to grab and hold, and try not to each hold two. Um, yeah, that was. It's uh, go ahead. In those games, one point makes a gigantic difference, just because you have less resources to try to do the same amount of work. So you really have to be careful with what you do, and you can't bull charge like a lot of what some bigger games can turn into. Right. Um, because you have limited resources, so you have to be a little more careful. So it's a completely different mind shift from, like, a standard 2K game. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, we had tons of fun, but I know, uh, you know, I played against uh, Brandon, you know, who my friend Brandon, uh, and he was having a great time because he got to bring his Nurgle and play against people other than me and his brother. Yeah. So he was just having a blast playing against other people. Um, we both played against Luke's uh, Luke's corn army with the with that what was that war shrine thing? Yeah, the oh, war shrine and shrine. nine skull crushers. Golly, yeah, um, that was rough, dude. I pulled off the I pulled off the uh, the the win by uh, by objectives. On the last, mm. like on the last turn of the game, and we were lucky because of where those things placed. Because we had the two major objectives, and we had to hold them. Oh, no, there were four actually. That's right. The two we placed, and then two came down randomly, or whatever it was. But I remember it was it was it was, <laughs> it was close, man. It was mm-hmm. really close. You lost a unit, and you're like. Oof, I'm going to have real trouble keep either holding a place or keeping him from taking a place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it changes everything just by losing three guys. So and, it's a big deal. And Stormcast, like I said, I just was playing a smaller version of my 2,000-point list. You were playing a very different list from mine. And just Stormcast versus Stormcast, you smashed me. And you weren't using anything really special. You had some shooters, and you had a lot of uh, a lot of liberators, actually. Yeah, um, I put in, um, I also had more prosecutors, um, and my prosecutors were different than yours, because you had the double hammers and I had the javelins. Yeah, I um, need to get some of them javelins. Oh, yeah, you do. They're cheaper, yeah, and do. they work just as go- just as well. Um, maybe, I think they might have a shorter range, but... No. No? They don't? <laughs> okay, so no. It's just, they're just better all around there's, and cheaper. Yeah, there's no reason to take the double hammers, but... It's whatever you think is cool. I'm well, not going to no, tell you anything different. No, I got three sets that came. Damn. Yeah. I got three. In fact, I, you know what? And I got another set. Like somebody, gave, <laughs> like 
Well, when Cranky sent a bunch of stuff to Kira, and he's like, oh, I got this. I'm not going to use it. And I'm like, okay, so that's four sets now. And so I'm just, I just add to my basic stuff with that. The only problem is adding your basic stuff. It's like I got to go out, I got to go online or something and find alternate bits because everything is just that starter set bit. Yeah. So it's like all I've got are, that's why I've got nine guys, nine units or three units of three with double hammers. I'd love to pull those arms off or those fists off and put on. The javelins and the shields. I'm like, oh, that would be a nice change. Yeah. Um, so no, and I think the other big thing is just the difference in the command traits. Because I put the one that gives the plus one armor save bubble up on my relictor, and your dragon lord. I don't remember what you took on him for his command trait, but it made my guys a little more survivable than yours. Um, um command. Um. I, I he had the uh, 12, 24 inch uh, no no battle shock bubble. No, that's his commandability, but oh. his actual like extra thing. Oh, I forget. Yeah, um, and then we both tried the lightning strike, and it was vastly different results. <laughs> yeah, because you dropped a unit of retributors right on one of the objectives, and I dropped a griff hound in the back just to irritate you. Yeah, and he just held back enough stuff until the other things were getting killed and then he was able to uh you were able to isolate and grab stuff with that. I kinda like the the single griff hound drop from space irritate and contest objectives and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Especially when he gets to attack and then it's after he hits if he hits first then he gets to run. Yeah. Like, Why and I with pulled the that on first. I was like, oh you you dirty dog. Well, I rolled high enough to get away from you, but it was still... I had never done that before because I don't rank that ability very high. But with some things like Griffhounds, they can just, like, boop, here's a Griffhound. Oh, that little jerk. Yeah. So you have to go spend effort to go take care of a 40-point dog instead of going at the rest of my stuff. So I think that might have some merit for how I play going forward. Yeah. No, it was it was great. It was a lot of fun. I actually learned a lot. You know, those mirror matches. Mm-hmm. You're actually paying attention and seeing how things work. It's like, oh, I can see the value of this now. So that was exciting. That was a good day of gaming, too. We had a really good time. Yeah, it was. Plus, we got to tease Harrison, and that's always fun. Yeah. So, because he was working that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sucker. <laughs> so, um, other than that, you got any other before we take a break and move on to City of Secrets? Um, well, speaking of our man crush, uh, we've been watching Taboo um, on FX, and we've been really enjoying it. Um, we kind of like that Victorian-type styling, um, and then it, this is a very unique take on it. Um so we're still kind of up in the air about it, but we're enjoying it so far. Um, and that's really been it. There hasn't been a whole heck of a lot going on besides, I mean, just with Adepticon so close. And um, we bought a new car on Saturday. Congratulations. Yeah, no. <laughs> it was an unexpected expense. And you try to do that um, before a major tournament. It's like, really? This is yeah. what we have to spend a whole day doing is going and looking at a car. Awesome. 
So I can see that. Yeah, that's really been about it. There's not been a whole heck of a lot going on on our end besides getting ready for this weekend. So I see. Well, uh, let's see my other. Um, I'm starting. I started on Audible Book Five of the Dragon Vein series. I think it's the last book in the series. That's a pretty cool series. Like I, I wasn't 100 percent certain when it started, um, but I really like what he's done with the series. It's really interesting. So, uh, Dragon Vein series book five I was doing. Also working my way through the Expanse books, uh, and I got that sci-fi show on now mm-hmm. based on the books. You know, I, I like that show a lot, and I like that they're taking their time with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, season one was only the first half of book one. Ah. Like I'm watching season two right now, and they're they're getting to the second half of the of the first book. So, you're um, what are you scraping butter on the toast or something? No, I'm ripping a paper towel. Oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, um, the uh, the 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 TV series does really well. Like there are certain things that they just really couldn't film. I think through budgetary restraints, as far as mm-hmm. like in the book, they describe the characters. I mean, they all came from Earth, but when we spread out to other planets, the asteroid belt and Mars, you know, people started physically changing, you know, being born in different gravities and different things like that. So there are some differences in, in you know, physiology between Earth and Mars and, and these other people. And the TV show, you don't see it as much. You know, they don't really show it because it, it's hard. You know, to have mm-hmm. people all, you know, to have people naturally grow to being seven feet tall because there's less gravity, so their bones are thinner and more fragile, but they're taller. It's like, okay, they just got some tall people to be these people, and they didn't worry <laughs> about it from there. You know, it's like, didn't need to go the whole, the whole thing. It wasn't necessary, you know, f- to still have a decent show. So they they knew where to make changes and adjustments, and not just go with like you know CGIing things. Um, they're doing a really great job with this show. It's really good. Hmm. So that's I'm very excited. I'm I'm enjoying that very much. So so that's it for my other, and that's it for the toolbox. I think. Yeah. Brought to you by Chaos Orc Superstore. So that's the news. That's the toolbox. And when we return, we're going to pick up uh, City of Secrets when we're back. Games in Grays Lake, Illinois is the one-stop shop for all your gaming needs. They carry anything your favorite gamer may want. Board games, collectible card games, miniature-based games, and all your hobby gaming supplies are there, as well as books, charms, incense, crystals, and other unique gifts. UGG has it all. Come into the store and ask about their frequent buyers program, or check out their gaming and events calendars in-store or online. From Tuesday night War Machine and Thursday Board Game Night, to Friday Night Magic. There's always something going on at Unique Gifts and Games in Gray's Lake. Check them out on the web at uniquegg.com.
All right, and we are back, ready to delve into the City of Secrets. Yeah, City of Secrets by Nick Horth. Legends of the Age of Sigmar. This book is great. Yes, it is. Yeah, you Very guys, you weren't kidding. Surprise. Yeah, this might be my favorite book I've read so far. Uh, I would uh, concur. Out of this series. Um, there's a lot of... There's 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 a lot of stuff that you're um, that you know is familiar mm-hmm. in that even little plot devices and things that you just come to expect like when things are happening I'm actually taking notes in my book and as I'm re- reading it and taking notes at the same time I'm like oh I really hope this isn't this and like two pages later that's what happens I'm like oh geez I saw that coming a mile away um, yeah but some of the stuff was really cool too and it's this first book that really gives you the uh, you know a, a, a human civilization. Or, mm-hmm. or one of these one of these rebuilt cities after we re, you know excuse me after Sigmar comes back, um, the, you know these free cities. It's just it's exactly what we needed because you get everything from a regular guy's point of view who doesn't know anything about what's in the other realms, what's going on here or there, um, what all these things are about. Um, and when he does see some of this crazy stuff that we've come to accept and understand because we've read the books and we know the fluff and we know where these things are coming from and what they're thinking and the stories have fleshed them out. This guy just sees these, you know, they see monsters and they see these, you know, legendary Stormcast Eternals who are terrifying sort of as they're going by to look. Those things are scary. Those guys will mess you up. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, it's so, go ahead. It is, and I think the big thing is that this is set years after the Rome Gate Wars got started. So this is, you know, obviously taking place in the realm of beasts, and it's the city of Excellus. I think I'm saying that correctly. I think so. Um, and this is the like fortress city of uh, the Knights Excelsior, which are the like cream and blue ones. Yes. Um, for those that aren't familiar with the color scheme, and they're one of the ones that got their own rules in the new book, whatever. Um, so I think the biggest thing that grabbed me is that they tried to address everything, and they still made it feel very familiar. Yes. As opposed to just creating this whole foreign landscape that they have been. It's something that we've kind of seen. But a new take and a reinvention, which is what I think we needed. It's funny because it there's a there's a feel of the empire to it. There is, but there's not necessarily this sort of that this sort of Germanic feel so much. I mean, they go into places mm-hmm. and everything. It's like all the buildings. Are like, I mean, you're gonna wherever you're going to get these human civilizations, you're going to get richer neighborhoods, you're going to get slums, you're going to get all that. But here, there's the Sigmar stuff all around it you know what i'm saying it's there's yeah it's not the the sort of carl franz or the or the other telltale empire signs that you would get um Mm -hmm. it's just it's just human but it's still familiar because well it's human i mean they're pretty similar in most games you play yeah and it's humans and it's dwarden and it's elves and it's stormcast all in one Metropolitan type area, and but mostly humans. I mean, the elves and the humans. dwarves. We don't see too many of. They're there. Yeah. 
Um, but it's it's interesting to get that 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 impression when these things show up. Mm-hmm. Because we're used to I mean, let's face it, we've pretty much been playing what Stormcast and uh, you know some of us have Dwarden and uh, I've, you know let's see Mikey's got Ogres and um, Brandon's got Nurgle and and Taz is Sylvaneth and Luke is Chaos. I mean everything is like big bad crazy monsters on every table. It's it's like superheroes versus superheroes everywhere we go, and. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's that's every perspective, and to get that, hey, we're just guys. There's a yeah. lot of us. We have guns. The dwarves help us. The, the dwarven help us with stuff. Um, it's it's just it's top notch. It really is. Um, there's some parts in here that I actually marked up because it was like getting seeing stuff that we knew exactly what it was from from the humans' perspective. Who are like, oh my goodness, what is that? That's horrifying. What is that thing? Mm-hmm. It's it's just great because it gives you it, it, the, the I think the sense of wonder is renewed. Yes, and it definitely plays more into what they've kind of been building up with. Yes, it's a the thing is it's like it's a very deceptive Zinch type book because you would expect it to be about you know like Zinch trying to take over or whatever, which it is, but it's not told from the chaos perspective like we saw on Call of Archeon. It's again told from the human, like, this is the first-hand interaction of a plain Joe Schmo guardsman who then goes on this wild and crazy adventure. And it's a very... Yeah, it's also not told from the Stormcast point of view. It's like we know exactly no. what they're trying to do, and we know what they're about, and we fought them before, and now we're trying to formulate a plan. No, it's like, what is going on? What is going on? You know? We mm-hmm. need to figure out what's going on because something bad is happening here, and we have no backup. And that was one of the clever things. You know what? You want to jump into this into the story a bit here? Yeah. And guys, you know, spoilers. We're we're covering the book. You know, if you've listened to the show before, you know we're going to cover it. We're not going to be like, and then we're not going to tell you what happens next because you should read the book. You could read the book anyway. If you if you've ever listened to the show, you know I'm telling you to read the book anyway. Mm-hmm. Um. But this book's great. It starts off, it's got no chapters, three acts. It really does run like a, a play or a movie. Yes. Uh, with all the classic tropes in it, which is really one of the fun things when you're reading this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it starts off with uh, soldiers sitting around. And uh, you find out that all the Stormcasts have left the city because... There was a prophecy of a big orc war happening, and they went out because they fi- figured out where their homeland or their base area was through the prophecy, and all the Stormcast marched off to war and took a bunch of the 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 human soldiers with them. Yeah, and they drained the um, like the ranks for the flagellants. So this is not just Stormcast going off. This is three different storm hosts. With Knights Excelsior, the uh, Knights of the Dawn, um, or Knights of the Aurora, and uh, the Sons of Malice. Yep. So you have these three different storm hosts, plus human infantry regiments, plus flagellants. So this is this massive army that's just marching out to war because they received this prophecy. And then it's just the leftovers kind of chilling, watching everybody leave. Like, yep, look at them. They're going off to fight. 
Yep. It's a great life, and we're sitting here getting wet. It's raining. Right. It's great. And then the conversations start, and like they're talking about Stormcast. I was like, do you think they eat? And the one guy's like, yeah, my cousin says they order up a cart full of salted meat every other market day. He's like, now my mm-hmm. other cousin said he saw them stand on top of the rampart just standing with their arms out and uh, just eating the lightning as they called the lightning down on themselves. And they were just devouring lightning to power themselves. And this is this is the rumors that are being spread around about the Stormcast by people who don't really necessarily know what they're talking about. Yeah, and there's an interesting part in here where they talk about like the purgings and the cleansings and the White Reaper. Um, which is something we're going to come back to later, but they essentially almost paint them like bad guys um, because they went through and killed a lot of the populace to root out corruption and everything. So these guys are not the good guys. They're very much like that incarnation of vengeance and cold fury that we talked about when we did the review. Right. Um, I think that's what a lot of people really see them as, is that they're not humans. They're very detached And we'll do whatever it is necessary, even if it is monstrous. Yeah, no, they're scared of them. I mean, they really are. These these things are terrifying, and they'll come and get you if you're not good. But they still know they're on their side. It's like they know that they're protecting the humans, but you better be worth protecting. Yeah, it's a very weird dynamic of protector and I'm I'm trying. It's like a protector and uh, you know, it's his ward. Yeah. Yeah. So so right. basically, you know, you get you get this set up, and you get the guy sitting, and like you said, it's wet, and they're supposed to go out and patrol, and this guy's supposed to actually our main our main character here, Callus, is supposed to like be turning in, but um, their leader was not feeling well, so he wasn't going out in the rain. He was feeling sick, so he passed on the duty uh, to Callus, who takes his guys out, and uh, now. This place is weird. We're in the realm of beasts, right, you said? Mm-hmm. And there's this thing called the Spear of Malice, this giant monolith that has apparently slammed down into the planet before and gouged out a big chunks of it. And now it's just like, what, it's floating above the city? That it's it kind of out? embedded, um, and they kind of built around it, and those stormcasts have kind of built into it as their fortress. So it's this weird kind of relationship and they get these pieces of it i think it's from the spear called glimmerlings right which is kind of like their currency but it grants visions of the future or things that are going to be yeah, so wherever this giant stone came from it's got like stuff in it that allows people to see the future like and nobody knows why it just does Right, and so they got all sorts of stuff around it. People studying it, people looking at it, people trying to figure things out. It's a, this is okay. This is a really weird place, by the way. Just yes. the fact that they constantly traffic in prophecies and visions of the future because of this giant. Like their whole life is sort of built up around this giant stone and like the weird sort of things that you can do with this stone and the, and the sort of benefits or dangers that, that come with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's a really strange land, but it does. Everything they have revolves around this 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 giant stone thing that, that has, you know, future-telling prophecies. 
Mm. So, um, like I said, I just wanted to point out how the the the, this, the place was just weird. Like you said, Glimmerlings, they pay you in in a, in a currency made of, you know, prophecy material that they mine from this thing. It's like, oh, okay. Um, and I love the descriptions in here too. So they got to go out in this rain, right? And it's been raining for like a week, and the sewers are backed up. And they're talk about this. There's the storm drains aren't draining. And mm-hmm. as they're walking around, water's going over the tops of their boots, and they're basically walking with the backed-up sewers. So it's miserable, and they're wet, and it's gross. And it smells god-awful. Yeah, and, and it's just, they just have to do this patrol duty in this rainy, smelly, backed-up sewer water flooding out neighborhood. And they're going through, and the team basically wants to do a quick job and get out there, but Callus is in charge, and he's a good guy. And yeah. he wants them to do their duty, and he says, look, we can take a shortcut. We can go through the crappy neighborhood, which we're supposed to patrol anyway, and it'll, we'll get through quicker, and we can get back to where we want to be, say we're done, and get into warmth. And, you know, nobody wants to go through there because it's a bad neighborhood. And it's, you're, wait, you're the, you're the freaking patrol. Like, what do you mean you don't want to go in there because it's a bad neighborhood? Like, no one's going to mess with us. We're cops, essentially, right. is what it is. And they go through this neighborhood, and they just, by happenstance, as things usually are, they come across two guys standing around with uh, a flat horn, um, I think is what it's called. So I'm picturing this massive goat-looking thing pulling a cart, and nothing descriptive about it, um, but they decide to investigate and figure out what why are you guys standing here? Why are you guys standing here? Um, what, what kind of delivery is going on in the middle of the night? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so they go through it, and they pull the cover off of this thing, off of the cart, and it's auger, um, which is what they use to make the glimmerlings, I think. Um, so this is like the raw stuff of the prophecy, and they're like auger smugglers. So then it triggers an ambush. And people are getting shot with crossbows and bows, and everyone's getting slaughtered. Um, and no one's surviving except for Callus, naturally. This right. Is, you know where we're going, folks. Um, and it turns out that these guys, that they notice these guys, these guys who are around this cart are guardsmen. They're yeah. off-duty guardsmen. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. So he realized something shady's going on. And they're like, sorry. And I mean, his own his own people have just assassinated and gutted basically his whole team. Mm-hmm. And he escapes by the skin of his teeth. I mean, literally, they're walking past him as he's hiding, beaten and broken in a in a cold puddle, hiding on in you know in a ditch in a corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's uh, he during the escape, he falls into the cart and it sets the ram off to go running. And he breaks one of the jars, and he breathes in this raw auger, and he gets this terrible vision of the future in flames, of the city in flames, of uh, fires everywhere, cackling demons, and this crazy old man laughing maniacally. Um, So he gets this prophecy that's been handed to him, and he doesn't really realize it yet. Um, So he goes through... He gets away from the uh, 
traders that are trying to find him. And I was fully expecting these guys to transform into acolytes, but yeah. they don't. No, They're I was still glad they did. Regular bros with crossbows and bows, and it's kind of like, um, okay. They're still trying to play it cool because it's not open warfare yet. Yeah, and they got and there's some weird other people going around on here like this. Okay, their form of currency are these glimmerings. You know, giving these little bits of the future, and I don't know if they uh, if they just you just absorb it or if these guys eat it. But they found like like spent you know no more power in them glimmerings. You'd find them laying around, and uh, there's this great description in here. He says, um, "Excuse me." Uh, Kellis caught a glimpse of a figure staring out at them. It was as pale as snow and so gaunt that in the darkness it could quite easily be mistaken for a risen corpse. The eyes were the worst. They were swirling pools of ice blue and white, pupilless and staring. Not staring sightlessly. It was clear the poor wretch was seeing something. That was the thing about recklessly consuming prophecies. After a while, the world as it was ceased to mean anything to you. You become lost in a world of half-seen potential futures, lost out of time and uprooted from everything you had once held dear. All that mattered was the next omen and the next secret you could devour. The figure faded away into the darkness and Callus breathed easily again. And I'm like, that's creepy. Yeah, it's almost like your currency is some psychedelic drug. And that's what you have to try to do business with. Yeah. Because it's clearly got an addictive property. Right. No, it's just, it's a really weird passage, things that are going on here. Um, You know, so they're going through and he winds up, uh, doesn't he wind up getting like totally sick and like wind up in the, like he wakes up in the hospital or in like a hostel in this crummy yeah, neighborhood? Yeah, it's more like a hostel. I thought it was like a whorehouse oh. or house of ill fame. Um, but it could really be just one anything or a flop house. There it is. Flop yeah. house. That's the word. But he's still um, among other sick people, and they're they're kind of helping get him back up to up to okay to you know interact with human beings. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, that's when he gets found by the by Call and this other guy. Um, that Kazrug. Uh, that's him. Yeah. So we meet the witch hunter out of this story, um, which is Hanover Toll, um, who is a witch hunter of the Order of the Azir, or the Order of Azir, um, and his henchman Kazrug, which is a dwarden, and as we would expect, he is grumpy. He has a really bad attitude. Um, hygiene is not super important to him, but, you know, getting the job done is, um, but Hanover, I found him particularly interesting because one of my favorite stories in, uh, the old world was the witch hunter series. Um, so witch hunter, witch finder, witch killer. Um, and that story about that particular witch hunter, um, Matthias Tull, Names are a little similar, but whatever. Um, Hanover as a character is very, he's much smoother of an operator. Um, He doesn't seem like that super suave, debonair type guy, but he's a guy that clearly knows what he's doing and has that, I dare say, like exuding confidence. Yeah. But he's super 
suspicious of everything because he understands that this is the city of secrets where every smiling face could be the next knife in your back. Um, right. So he, I really like this particular version of a witch hunter instead of just that grim, dark, foreboding presence that we've seen out of so many witch hunters prior. Yeah. Now, they also describe this place. He lives in a, he's, he's staying in this poor house in Excelsis. It says, a blend of daubed, bleached bone and sun-dried clay, materials that abounded in the coast of Tusks and made up for a cheap yet largely sturdy foundation. So they literally were using bones of some animals, like in yeah. the foundations of the walls in the poor neighborhoods. It was mud and bones of animals forming the foundations in, in, in the homes in this place. So that, that's just, like I said, I try, to, I try to picture these things in my head. I'm like, this is just crazy. This gets weird. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very different, like I said, it's a very different type of place. It's a very, it's very original to whatever anything else that we've seen thus far. Hold on one second. So we, like I said, we get this place now. So, so we've got Callus who was caught up in the middle of this fight, and they recognize him too. They knew who he was. And in fact, one of the scenes you get like, like the the, the head tough. It's like, we got to get that guy. And then there's one of the ladies who works who's another military person. But she, uh, this officer who recognized him. Oh, he's this guy. I don't know him. You wouldn't because he's totally straight-laced and, and doesn't break any rules. So he wouldn't be around any of the people you know. And he's like, oh, now I really hate him. And so mm-hmm. they're basically, because he got away, they've got to uh, take control of the situation and, uh, you know, sort of turn things around. So... You know, he wakes up in this poorhouse, and he's all bandaged up and beat up. And, uh, you know, the witch hunter who's looking for him is like, you know, there's like a – how much how much was the reward put out for this guy? 30,000? 30, 30,000 limmerlings. Yeah, and they're like, oh, yeah, he killed his whole group for no reason and went on a rampage and, and took off and just turned traitor and killed all his friends. Um, so we need to get him. He's a traitor. And it's just like, oh, God, that's that's uh, okay. So now he's done even under more danger. Um, the only one who doesn't buy it is tall because he's like, dude, nobody, nobody in your nobody in your position is worth that much money, and they're not offering that much money to get back some guy who killed a few of his. They're like this, nah, this, he he knows something's up, mm-hmm. and he asks him to tell him what happened, and he doesn't, and Callus uh, doesn't tell him. He keeps his mouth shut because he doesn't know this guy. And doesn't know uh, what's going on. Um, yeah. So then, of course, then they're like, well, if you can't help us, you can't help us. And they leave. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, they're just going to be waiting for him around the corner. So, And, the, you know, he gets up. And once they leave, he takes off. And he's got one person he can go stay with. He's thinking we can go to his uncle's house. They never got along. His uncle resented him. But he could go there now. They're, they're family. You can go there. And yeah, of course, and you know. he says something, or he has this thought, like, I have no life outside of the cold guard, which is his regiment. And it's kind of like, that's a really depressing statement to think that you have nothing outside of your regiment, which has now turned its back on you. Yeah. Um, or there's nothing left of it. So it's a lot of sense of loss and loss of identity. So he's kind of heading down a not so good road already. Right. Yeah, no, it's it's this place is dangerous. This place is there's a lot of stuff that you don't want to deal with here. 
Um, and basically, so, you know, once he gets to his uncle's house, his uncle's already dead. There's yeah. guys there waiting for him. I mean, it's it's exactly what you expected. He gets there. It's the one place he can go. It's one bit of family, even though they don't get along. Guy's already dead, so you get the sad moment where it's like, oh, I'm really sorry. I, you know, We didn't get along, but I didn't want this to happen to you. Um, and after that, you get some excitement, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it looks like he's going to die, but uh, our our uh, our uh, intrepid witch hunter and his dwarf friend show up, and they mop this place up. Yeah. It's very smooth. It almost seems improvised, especially when they go through this process, because they kill all the extra act, uh, cultists that are like waiting outside, and they taunt the guys inside saying, oh, you had friends outside? Well, here are their knives, and they're not here anymore. And then they go to kill Callus, and the dwarf runs through the wall of the building to go knock the guys down. And Tull pulls out a four-barrel pistol, <laughs> which is like, um, what? <laughs> okay. And he just blows all these guys to smithereens. And then they have to run from all of the rest of them. And it seemed to me like, you know, of chase scene out of a movie where it's just like oh you know it's kind of kind of expected and it reminded me a lot of like uh brendan frazier in the mummy movies um i know it's probably not a particularly good reference but um (laughs) it seemed improvised but it's smooth and it's the exact right thing at the exact right time and they clearly know what they're doing sort of right so i I thought the comparison was no it works it works um, you know, and these guys that uh, are waiting for them that get beat up, they are no match for, you know, the dwarf and the witch hunter. Um, but they are kind of scary in their own right. These guys, if you're reading it, these guys are not just trained killers. They might be psychopaths. Oh, yeah. You know, the way they sound bored when they're threatening to kill somebody, like it's just another thing. Uh, they don't even raise their tone. They're threatening, menacing people with... with with knives and they're about to commit murder and it just it's not even phasing them it's just a job mm-hmm. you know and it's just like oh my goodness you know these guys are these guys are rough um but eventually uh eventually they you know he gets them away uh it's you know it's pretty good um <laughs> like they get over there and they're fighting with the last group in the house and he comes barreling through and he punches the guy He's like, I told you we want him alive. Ah, soft as silt, these boys, spat the squat muscle figure. But it weren't my right hook that did this, deadly as it is. I love it. <laughs> Listen, I know I could punch this guy's head off, but I didn't. That wasn't yeah, my fault. It's a very, he's very dwarvish. So it's not like these types of characters or races have changed all that dramatically, but they're incorporating them into a new setting. And He's a very prototypical dwarf, and that's yep. totally okay. And the, the witch hunter is just great too, and he's scary a bit. Yeah, there's a guy who's in there. He's like, "Listen, you know, I got a job to do. You're going to help me." And when he's talking to Callus, even Callus gets a little afraid of him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, "Yeah, but you know, he doesn't seem like the kind of witch hunter that's like, I'm going to put the torches and put the coals to you." But I'm going to scare you in other ways. Oh, I think he will totally put the torches and the coals to you. I think uh, that's not necessarily his his first uh, go to. 
Mm-hmm. It seems to have a little more sense than than just to be brutal. But it's another one that where it's interesting because you've got an innocent man being approached by a witch hunter, and normally it's you know guilty until proven innocent, and everybody thinks this guy's guilty, and he's like, Nah, dude, I'm, I'm smarter than this. This is not it. So let's tell me tell me what's going on so I can figure out what's really happening here. But uh, mm-hmm. I think he's pretty ruthless. In fact, um, they do a good job here of. Cal is constantly asking questions of Tall, like, are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? And he's like, I'm glad to see that you guys are so afraid and think we have all this power going, because that's totally not how things go with us all the time. Um, but it's good to keep up that uh, sort of that image that, you know, and he does say, listen, you know, we are brutal. We are vicious. We are ruthless. When I go in, I, I nothing, you know. There's nothing that can sway me to make me not destroy whatever it is that becomes an agent of chaos. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's such a, it's such a great. It, it it was built so well. I'm really enjoying the story. You know, as I'm going through all this, um, and uh, these guys do have some, you know, cool weaponry. The Zinch guys, um, mm-hmm. but but our witch hunter and his buddy got even cooler weapons. It's so funny. Um, but even then when they're running and they're getting through all this stuff and they're being attacked and chased and they're having to get through this whole area and get through safely. And he's like, wait a minute, you're a witch hunter. What do you mean things are bad? Can't you call in some emergency force and just put the, put some feet to the flame and get some answers? Like <laughs> exactly what he's talking about, you know? Um, mm-hmm. He's like, I'm glad you, I'm glad you, <laughs> you know, he's happy to realize how much people actually, you know, sometimes you forget how much people fear you. Yeah. And their resources are stretched thin with all the wars going on and the faith militant marching out with the storm cast. So right. they don't have a lot of troops in the city. And then right after this, they start talking about, um, like, in every corner of the realm that Sigmar reconquers, a dozen threats rise their raise their heads. So this is not oh we took over something and that's the end of it. Now we got to protect it and root out corruption. So it's more than just oh we're taking over. Now it's taking over. And then we have to stop the other guys from trying to take it back over and doing it in a different way. Yep. Um. So they have that, and then they talk about um the. Where are they? The Dream Spinners. Um, ju- I got, I'm at there right now on page 47, man. I got this. Yeah. I got it all highlighted. What the heck is going on? Dude, this is a creepy place. Yeah, all this weird gets, prophecy stuff makes for some really creepy, strange uh, CD elements. Mm-hmm. Callus is staring queasily at a canopy of iridescent webbing overhead, occasionally catching a glimpse of one of the huge translucent arachnids scuttling about the fort, its fortress. And he watches it. And he starts to get uh, almost hypnotized by it when when he gets hit in the back of the head really hard. And, uh, you know, Kazrug's like, don't stare at him. You want to end up like that one? And mm-hmm. there's a dude there with his mouth open. Looks like he's sort of screaming, staring off at this thing. And then some of the some of the arachnids come out of, of his mouth. Yeah. It's yucky. So a little creepy element, but it's now we have these weird beasts, uh, appropriately enough in the realm of beasts, where they kind of like hoard or mix in the auguries into their webbing, and they use that in order to catch people. Now, it's mostly drunks and um, morons, but 
still, it's still the principle of anything in this world can kill you. You are never safe, even in like a sense of civilization, if you're not careful. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm reading this part here, and it was asking more about the more about the uh, these dream spinners. And uh, I got another passenger. As long as you're not out of uh, out of your head on skull, out of your skull on brandy or whisper smoke, you're not likely to fall under the sway of them. And it's like it was one thing to hear rumors about dream spinners how they gathered omens and auguries up and wove them into these fabulous patterns and how they preyed on unwary drunks, siphoning the hopes and dreams and worries from their minds and leaving them little more than drooling husks. But it was quite another to see the proof of that horror right in front of him. This is... uh, I mean, what's with this place? Is it like the spice from Arrakis? Like once you have some, you're addicted to it? Because this place seems horrible. Yeah. But this is what they're fighting for. It's yeah. this hope of civilization. And even then, it's not civilized at all. I mean, this is the most AOS thing I think I've read so far, too. Just with mm-hmm. all the weird, you know, oh, well, you know, they got these weird arachnids that spin the dream fabric. And it's like, what? Just go and then they kidnap you. And if you get stuck, you know, mesmerized by them, I'm like, oh, this is just whatever. Yeah. But eventually they find their way through the secret passage back to Toll's, you know, hidden hidden lair. And of course yeah. and of course uh Kazrug just goes and sits in the corner and takes out a whetstone and starts cleaning his axe cuz that's that's what you do. That's not a dwarfish thing to do at all. <laughs> well, we have time where there's nothing to do. I'll sharpen my weapons. Mhm. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Um so we've been going a little bit Yep. Uh, let's let's get to the end of Act One minutes. here. We got just a yeah. couple more pages. Um, at this point, now Callus is going to tell him exactly what happened. And what's mm-hmm. really interesting is most of the stuff he's telling him does you know the ambush and the traitors in the midst, and none of that really gets to him. And when he tells him about this vision he had, it isn't until he gets to the crazy old man that he suddenly sits up, leans forward, and he's like, "What? Tell me more about him." And he's asking mm-hmm. a bunch of questions. He wants detail. And it turns out this guy is one of the most powerful mages in the city, but nobody's seen him in like 10 years. Yeah. He um, disappeared 10 years ago, and now he's in this guy's vision and going to destroy the city. Yeah. Uh, the magister's name is like Valorius Crin. So, yeah. okay, cool name. but <laughs> um, And, of course, now it's like, oh, you bring, you know, hey. Look, if this guy's involved and all these other people are involved and it goes deep into our own troops and our own watchmen, you need to bring in your backup. And he's like, what backup? They all went out with the Stormcast, mm-hmm. which is great. The city is left with a skeleton crew. Half, at least, of the skeleton crew are traitors. And this is the perfect time for the traitors to attack. And it's now it's up to the dwarf uh, assistant to the witch hunter the witch hunter, and the one guy who everyone's searching out because he's got a price on his head that's huge. But he's completely innocent, and he's one of the few good guys in town. And, you know, now now he realizes, oh, my goodness, this is perfect. And now the witch hunter realizes someone's been playing games with them. And that's pretty much the end of Act 1, is that they've, we've got the players... 
they know something's happening, and they realize that the fact that the town's been emptied out right now is 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 really bad. Mm-hmm. And that's your act one. And that's, I mean, that, look, a three-act play. We've laid out everybody. We've got the main conflict is finally laid out, is that the city is vastly undefended in comparison to what it usually is. And we just found out that something that threatens to destroy the whole city is here, and we got to handle it only with what we've got here. That's a good act one. It is. Second act, we'll get into the, all the complications and the reasons why they're going to fail. <laughs> So you want to take a quick break and then come back with the next acts? Yeah. All right, cool. Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well, then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. And we're back. Back with Act 2 of City of Secrets. And I think in Act 1, he actually told him, this is a City of Secrets. You got you to gotta know who to trust and stuff like that. And I was like, you really have to put that in. Like, Ladies and gentlemen, we have a title. Roll credits. Um, yeah, they had that earlier, too, where it's like, this is a City of Secrets with the uh, prophecies. Um, but it plays more, and it's very much you know, that, that forewarning or foreboding of saying, yep, this is going to happen because, you know, reasons. Exactly, so, exactly. Yeah. Um, so from Toll's hideout, they move into the upper quarter of the city, so like the wealthy neighborhood, and it's starkly different. It reminded me a little bit of like ancient Rome. Yes. Um, in the descriptions where it's these tall buildings, gold everywhere, perfumed People everywhere, dwarves. Except instead of the gods, there's all statues to Sigmar and to Stormcasts. Yeah. Like the great leaders, there's murals depicting great victories, including uh, Vandis Hammerhand, because reasons. Um, of course Vandis Hammerhand. Dude, he's a of legend. Of course Vandis. He's a legend. They're all kind of legends. Yeah, but Vandis led the first group down. His stories have spread far and wide. They're all kind of legends, but he's a legendary legend of the legend types. Um, sure. And I just love how Act 2 really is set up in this other area. So, like, 
we're down in the crummy, gritty, terrible, this place sucks for us area. Now we found it a problem. Now we have to go to where the people who are in charge can handle the problem. And it is a complete, oh, my God, the world where these people live is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was interesting. You know, it surprised me. I'm reading this, and I'm like, I realize they got to have rich neighborhoods. And, uh, you know, and to have no rabble in this area it's to be expected because this is the fancy rich neighborhood it still surprises me that this guy says he's never ever been there you know what i'm saying this Mm -hmm. is never once been in the noble quarter of excelsis and the description's kind of nutty people being walked around on palanquins um they walk by a little dandy of a dwarf uh his beard immaculately shaped into five curled hooks each tip of the tiny candle that shone with a blue flame like, what? And he walks by Kazrug, and uh, Kazrug is just, and he gives, they just give each other looks like, what? You know? Um, There's definitely a lot of stink eye going on. Absolutely. And then people are just sitting around and eating, and half-naked people are walking around just taking away, taking away the platters of this half-eaten food, the stuff they started eating and then didn't finish. Um and he literally looking at it goes out in the out in the vein, which is that crummy neighborhood. He goes, one of these unfinished platters could keep a family fed for a week. And and this is this is they're just eating bits of it and throwing it away. And I think you know, wasting food is like it's it's always a wonderful way to show excess and decadence. Mm-hmm. You know, and they did it in like every they do it in the Hunger Games, they do it in 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 all sorts of stories. Um, you know, you've just plowed through the poorest neighborhoods where people are starving and, and, and scrounging to get their next meal. And up here, people are just sitting around and being fed bonbons until they can't eat another bite. And then what do we do with this food? Should we save it for later? Nah, just get rid of it. Who cares? There's always more. It's just like, oh, these, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. That's this place. I got this place now. Yeah, and all of the guards are... Just completely covered in gold and golden reliefs of the hammer ever ever or everywhere. Uh-huh. And they're going to meet um the high arbiter Vermeer. Yep. I'm, gonna, I'm hoping I didn't butcher that one. Um or Vermeer or whatever. Vermeer, his I was name calling is. him Vermeer too. Yeah. I like when um, they walk into the area where he's supposed to be at and Callus looks around and goes, Sigmar's teeth and then the 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 uh the um, the witch hunter looks at him and says, watch, you keep your uncultured mouth closed. High Arbiter Vermeer is a pious fellow, can't abide hearing the God King's name spoken in vain. So he's coming from a place where, you know, every day is a fight for your life to a place where he doesn't like you blaspheming up here. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's just it's it's it's. Really well setting up the setting up the the differences in these people very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you finally meet him. He's a little little tiny unremarkable man. You know, weak chin, round, slightly boyish face. Not the guy they expected. Not no. the guy that Callus was expecting to see as you know rumored to be one of the most ruthless people in all of in all of the Excelsis, city. Excelsis, one yeah. of the most powerful guys on the council. That rules Excelsis, um, and Matthias or uh, Hanover clearly knows him. They've met, um, so and I think they've even like sparred together fencing. Um, yep. So these guys are not like unknown to each other. Um, so then Hanover explains what's going on. 
the concern with Kryn and the prophecy and everything. And then uh, Vermeer says, okay, you guys wait here. I'll be right back. Yep. He goes away, and uh, Kazrug is like, something's up. Something's not right. And Toll even is like, I don't know. I don't think anything. And then they hear the trample of footsteps, and he comes back in, completing golden plate, um, arresting them. But, of course, it's not how it goes. And he talks about, this is all part of the plan for the glory of Zinch. So here we are. Arch traitor, right in the midst. Oh, he's so pious, he could not stand to hear you swear. Yet here he is shouting praise to Zinch. And yep. the whole household's in on it. So they're completely outnumbered, and um, he actually ends up casting a spell, which I don't think Toll even knew he could do. Right. Um, so he casts a spell, and Kazrak jumps in front of it um, to save Toll. And they have that, you know, that parting moment, that wonderful parting moment. We all know what this parting moment looks like. Yeah. We're going to have that bro connection. Everything's going to be okay. And then he dies. No, first and... he hands him his little leather, uh, mm-hmm. the, the bronze locket around his neck. And he has, take this home, give it to my boy. He's got to know, Hannifer. He's got to know. You know, so whatever was going on there. Uh, but that actually goes back to some stuff earlier that we skipped before he gets killed. Um, there's a lot of little bits in here that really, I think, add to the atmosphere in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, you get little bits of character stuff. Um, the guys don't want to let them in to see the High Arbiter. Um, and these, like, you know, scum like you, usually, he doesn't hire lazy loser, or he doesn't allow lazy losers uh, up here in his area. And he's like, oh, no, just to work for him. Like, Callus is a wise guy, and they're going to get into fights, but he gets loud in. But Callus gets mad, and um, I like this part. He says it's unwise to start making enemies considering the position he was in, but if there's one thing he couldn't stand, it was a man using his uniform to bully and look down on others. So you get this very, you know, another, you know, he reminded me of, and I was sitting there going, if this guy gets a couple of big promotions through due to helping save the city, he could be like a Schwartzhelm if, if, uh, you know, if his character continued on to other stories, yeah, you know, because sort of because he was one of the people who didn't live in Azir originally or live in these uh, nice cities originally. He wasn't a city folk when it got trashed. He was people who was out in the wilderness and and just struggled to survive. And it wasn't you know these people coming and building a city after the place had been cleaned up and made ready. Which is what a lot. That's where the class division comes in in this book. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and when I say I think, I know that's where it comes in. I'm saying I think that these guys come from. Some of these guys are from Azir. Like they've been living a decent life the whole time. That this is going Whereas, on, and um, now Callus is a native and had to run for his life for a long time. Right. Um, once the Stormcast cleared the area and secured the realm gates, and they started to rebuild the cities. A lot of these guys came from Azir to help do this building and, and run the, the places like they're supposed to be. And so you have these two classes of guys who have always sort of been under that protection and guys who are, you know, living sort of fairly and just surviving against uh, that. Oh, you forgot to mention that the dwarf is working with the witch hunter because he owes him a debt, which he doesn't want to tell us about. But, of course, he does, you know. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and one other thing that I really liked in this section, and I'm sorry, before we get up to 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 back to where we were with uh, the high arbiter turning trader, um, you were mentioning the the big things with the storm host, the big pictures, and the picture of uh, you know um, the Mandis. hammer hand. Yeah. Okay. Here's the description. Now picture it. Here's Callus, right? Callus, the you know the guy who's you know the outcast and the and the, the prices on his head and all he's ever wanted to do is work his butt off to get through the ranks. Uh, unlike these kids whose parents could pay for it. I mean, like I said, it's a total short sum story. If you know your if you know your Ethed Warhammer, you know stories. Um, and then he sees this giant mural, and it's 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 the the description through his eyes. You know, it was a beautiful mur- mural, a depiction of the mighty hammers of Sigmar Stormhost descending from the heavens on bolts of azure lightning to strike the first blow against the forces of chaos. It was a vivid piece. Callus felt his heart surge at the sight of the hammerhand, astride his proud Drakoth, the wretched minions of the Dark Gods, supine and terrified his, beneath his righteous might. And I'm sitting going, that's not how I remember it happened. I don't remember him just showing up and walking in with the Drakoth and all of the all of the servants of evil just throwing down their weapons and bowing and begging, begging not to be hurt. Not one bit. But that's what they think of these guys. Like, these guys are like gods on the earth, practically, to them. Um, and it's just, it's just great that even the picture is so, you know, objectified and so, so uh, you know, idealized. Where he's this thing there, and all this is going on, and and these guys take it as that's kind of how it happened, you know. I just I love the the sort of the human interpretation of the stuff that we've been reading about, and uh, you know, it just the way they've sort of idealized it because they don't know this stuff any better. They're, this stuff is such a mystery to them. I think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion. Yeah. But so, uh, so we get through all of that stuff and all of those opinions and all those ideas, and uh, the guards take him down to the cellar. Um, the dwarf's dead, so it's just Callus and the uh, and the witch hunter, and um, you know they take him downstairs. They're not too nice to him. They beat the crap out of Callus for mouthing off mm-hmm. to him outside. Um. So the witch hunter's got to call in a favor, and he calls in one of the dark elf, uh, like the black arc, uh, corsairs, fleet master, yeah, yeah, fleet master with their corsairs. And she's like, "You really want me?" He's like, "Come get me out of here now!" And she's like, "Okay," and you're gonna owe me huge. And uh, another where you get the description just purely from the human point of view, watching these. You know, unnaturally lithe dwarves come in almost completely unheard and moving quicker than they can really see to react to as they're just getting slaughtered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, kind of a weird relationship because it's almost like illicit um, type of relationship with uh, Tull and this pirate captain. It's like, how does he have a relationship with... You know, someone who's borderline criminal. So it adds a little extra mystery. And it's like, what does she owe him that she would that he could essentially have her on speed dial 
um, yep. to come and bail him out of a jam. But she and, also points out that the scales have now tipped heavily in her favor, and he owes her yeah. huge now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I think the biggest thing that I really like out of this, this lady does not have a blade for a leg. No, she doesn't. Just want to throw that out there. Yep. For those of you familiar with the Black Ark Fleet Master, um, he's got yep. a blade leg. It's terrible. And it's so bad. I was never a but, fan of that, but I mean, it's whatever. It, it is what it is. But I was just like, really, that should yeah. be an option, not a solid. Now, because every one of them you have is what is it like initiation? Something, I guess. But there was a great scene with her going around there, though. I never root for the dark elves. I've never liked them. I've never liked their, you know, what makes them what they are. But this, when she's flying around and just decimating stuff to come save them, this yeah. makes me see why people like them. And I think it's different because we, we've always had them be the bad guys up until, like, in times when they started being kind of good. And now they're definitely a little more anti-bad guy. So it's a very They're weird... definitely order, but they're not order, you know, they're not nice. No, they're still very, like, dark and cold people. And this is definitely more like the shade-type aspect and a little more of that super reactionary elf, like the ones that you can't keep up with doing all the crazy flips. Um, it reminded me a lot more of, like, Harlequin-type yeah. style, where they just flip around gutting people. And they still lose guys because they're still squishy elves. And that's just really how it should be. But... Um, and it's like, okay, we're going to take all of our corpses, don't leave anything of ours behind. So it just adds to the reputation. Right. And she, even this, as she's looking for him, as she's slaughtering left and right, she flicks the blood off and she's like, find me the witch hunter. It's been far too long since she let herself have a little fun. This is fun. Mm-hmm. She doesn't get to have fun too often, like going in and just slaughtering everyone in a castle. Yeah. Um, I do love when they're having a conversation and she's freeing them and uh, Callus is like, who's she talking about? And like, refer to me as she again, mortal, and I'll wear your skin as a cloak. Like, which is interesting because she turns around and she's there and she saves them and he, you know, Tall, the witch hunter, can talk to her. I mean, he talks to her pretty much how he wants. This guy's just like, who, who is she talking about? Refer to me as she again. I'll, I'm going to wear your skin as a coat. It's like, dang, what did he do? Like, that's just impolite. Like, you're impolite, and she's threatening to gut you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this guy gets away with talking to her the other way because they've got some sort of a relationship. Just shows you, A, more of that bond, and B, she's still kind of creepy. They're not friendly. They ain't our friends, per se. No. Um, some great stuff. Now, um. They, they, they're they heading towards they, they break him out And now he's got to go somewhere So he's heading to the Consecrelium The Reaper's yeah. Fortress uh, This is an interesting introduction you, you would seek aid from those butchers Richard Zenith The undercurrent of something approaching fear And the unflappable elf's voice Did more to unsettle Callus than anything Once you summon the Kraken Hanover It's no safe harbor to flee to So he's going to talk He's going to the fortress that is carved into the big stone that the the that the Stormcast live in. Mm-hmm. He's going there to ask for their help, and even the elves calls them butchers, You're which go- says something. Yeah, 
these guys come in and nothing lives when they go through. And it's like, you want to go to them? Like, even she sounds a little afraid of them. And I thought that was fantastic. Not that she's afraid of them, it's fantastic, but the fact that we've just been shown, so far, she's the scariest thing in this book we've seen. Mm-hmm. And we've seen some evil stuff, these servants of Zinch and these bad things are going to do, but she's just scary. Like, she is, you know, like sociopath and violent and able to back it all up sort of scary. Mm-hmm. In this elven package. And you mentioned the Stormcast, and she's afraid. It's like, oh, okay. Huh. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. This meeting doesn't go well, though. Although there's some really no. great passages here when only one comes walking out. And he's it's the it's the Lord Veritant. Which is which one is that? Which model is that? That's the guy with the sword and the lantern, the right. uh, alternative Lord Castellan kit. Now, when Hanover says the Lord of the Tower come forth, I mean it's almost like, you know, Lord of the Black Land come forth, let justice be done upon him from Lord of the Rings. Except obviously you're calling on something that's supposed to be a good guy. Um yeah. instead you get the Lord Veritant, Saris Santanus, um, which I almost thought was Santana, um, but <laughs> the obviously White not Reaper, the White Reaper, the Saint of the Purge. I'm just listening to some of this. Okay, let me read you some of this stuff as 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 Callus sees it, because this is where it gets really, really scary. Oh, let's see. As a guardsman, he had seen the warriors of Sigmar every now and then, marching in perfect order in their full battle array, gods of war sent down among mere mortals. It was always from a distance, though. In his six years of service, he had never stood so close to one of these peerless mythic warriors. And we get over there, and now here's, you know, the, the Lord Veritas is coming out. It was the aura that resonated from him. Callus felt every layer of his soul being stripped away under the expressionless gaze of that white mask. Every sin he had ever committed, every black thought he had ever entertained, rippled to the surface of his mind. There's no hiding from this. There was no man or woman alive that could hold on to a lie in the face of such pure and radiant truth. Callus wanted to fall to his knees, confess every mortal weakness he had ever allowed himself to partake in. And that's when Toll's like, hold your nerve. And it's like, this is what you see when these types of guys come out. Um, he sees him later. It's Like I said, it's, it's called, when he sees who comes out, he, it's, it's the White Reaper, the Saint of the Purge, among the many monsters and boogeymen that the parents of Excelsis invoked to send their unruly children to sleep, the figure that inspired the most terror was one of the city's most famous warriors. And he comes out, and his voice is the sound of thunder, the sound of an avalanche, of an ice shelf collapsing, and he just says, Speak. And uh, Toll tells him what's going on. Hey, <laughs> the city's been corrupted. We got bad guys all over. And he looks at them, and he sits there, and he just he just stares at him. You've seen the High Arbiter's perfidy firsthand. What of Kryn? This man, you know, he said, this guy saw it, and he turns and looks at him, and this is fantastic. This is so good. Um, he basically looks at Callus, and he's staring at Callus, and Callus is kind of like, I think he can read my mind. I think he can see exactly what I'm thinking. And he holds the lantern up to Callus. Mm-hmm. And, the lantern on the stick. Yeah. Um. And he basically turns it on onto Callus, and it's just a mind rip, almost like a <sighs> leech. And it yeah. goes through everything that he's seen, every thought, every 
last day, and he just gets but in torn that apart. in that light in that purity, he know like it. It literally talks about how every little thing he's ever done, every little petty slight or neglect, or every little tiny moral. He was guilty of a thousand careless mortal weaknesses, petty, hateful acts, momentary cruelties and vice he excused or conveniently forgotten. All of this, like every last one of these things is laid bare in front of this light. And he's like, he should kill me. There is no reason to leave me alive. I'm horrible. I'm such a, I'm like, Mm -hmm. we've sit here and said, this is one of the best guys in the city. But when he gets put in front of that lantern, it's like, this is what, and it actually, you know, He's waiting, and he's waiting. Stop, he gasped. A cry of grief from his mother when she found out her husband her, please stop, and the light stops. And, you know, he just keeps staring at Callus, and Callus like, holy crap, he's going to kill me. He's going to kill me. Um, and he keeps staring at Callus, and finally Toll steps up, and, like, in between them, and he says, I have need for this one. You know, I have to claim him. And slowly he turns and looks over at him, like, you doing What? You have no authority here, mortal. Remember that. And then he walks away. Mm-hmm. And he's like, wait a minute, you're going to help us? Now, of course, he's not just walking away, folks. I mean, we, I think we all know that. He's not just walking away. But we also have the benefit of God having gotten into Stormcast Eternal's minds for the last ten books, you know? Yeah. Um, but just once again, even from the Witch Hunter, who you think this is a guy who's got an in, he knows stuff. Even he's kind of terrified, and he thinks, "What do you mean? Wait, where are you? Where are you going? We got work to do." Exactly. Um, and then Callus is still kneeling in the rain, trying to get himself back together again. And this is, like I said, this is the reaction of a good person after being mm-hmm. suggested, uh, subjected to Sigmar's light. Now, I thought when he went through the light and he didn't kill him, and he was staring at him all that time, I had a feeling he was going to get pounded on during the story and maybe get. Uh, Taken up to be a Stormcast Eternal. Mm. You know what I'm thinking? I, you know what? Because the guy, you know, the one guy who sort of stands above it all and, and takes this beating, I thought maybe that's why he was eyeballing him. And it's not what happens. No. But I that thought. That gaze it, is total scrutiny. Yeah. But since he did survive it, and it seemed like few people did, I thought maybe that was what, what might happen. Um,. So then they go to see General Sinor, and General Sinor, he's with the Eighth. Um, the Iron Bulls. The Iron Bulls. Bulls yeah. of Torsus. Um, so it's all these different regiments, which you could definitely see from previous incarnations of Free Guild, um, and then even just Empire State Troops. So it's the same kind of like regimental discipline, same kind of regimental command, bureaucracy, blah, blah, blah. Because they're the only, like, one of the only guard regiments left in the city they can't go to the cold guard because that's infiltrated so this is their option yep and this guy used to be somebody but now he's been sort of after you know after a couple of battles and taking an injury he's like oh now he's sort of relegated to just doing the guard duty while everybody else goes out mm-hmm. um and he basically says, what do you want me to do like you know I got to take you on the word of you. And he sees Callus and he's like, traitor. Like, he doesn't know that the 30,000, you know, uh, glimmering reward is is bogus. That it's uh, trumped up BS charges. He just knows this guy killed his entire 
troop, and he's like, no, this is it. So he's like, wait, you want me to march on collegiate territory with no proof of anything but your guardman word? And he's like, you know, hey, that's it. That, yeah, I, I actually absolutely want you to. And the guy's like, not, nah, not doing that without more proof. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, while they're busy arguing... Um, the, the sky falls open, yeah. and we in, we get introduced to um, what happened with Vermeer, where he went. Um, he went to like rendezvous with uh, the Zangors, so we get a brief introduction to Zangors um, and one of their shamans. Um, I forget his name. Um, it was like Clitterbeak or something like that. Something silly. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> and it's kind of like okay. Like like Chitterbeak or something like that, um, and then he goes up to one of the observatories, um, and he meets up with Kryn, which is the wizard from Callus's uh, vision, and he's this crazy, uh, deranged old man who clearly has fallen to Zinch. And essentially, what they do is they take these like mirrors and open some sort of portal in the sky to bring in crystals from the crystal labyrinth and it starts raining demons and horrors and flamers and all of this wonderful stuff starts falling and raining horrors. And we can, can we just appreciate the magnitude of what they're trying to do? They're like, these cities have to be destroyed. You can't have Sigmar's wrong. It's all about change and, and evolution and, and things being renewed and, and, and destroyed. And that's what Zinch is about. And that's what's going to happen to your city. They're bringing a freaking crystal labyrinth through the hole mm-hmm. up in the sky. There's a giant one, like the topmost tower of one of these crystal fortresses of Zinch, these crystal labyrinths, is coming out of Zinch's realm. And they're going to just drop it right in the middle of this city. A yeah. crystal labyrinth. And it's like, wait, what? Like, that's crazy. Yeah, like pure cataclysmic, even just a, a simple city. But this is what they're prepared to do and, to spread well, And it's the not just a simple city, though, because it it's got this giant prophecy stone in it, too, which yeah, is valuable. A simple city in comparison to, like, Azerheim or oh, right, right. something like that. So this is this is what they're prepared to do. In order to turn things back and to gain power for Zinch. And so the Iron Bulls are the only thing that's left, and they were the one in his vision. That's how they knew to go to him, too, because they were the one in the vision who was fighting. Mm-hmm. So he sees the sky splitting over. He's like, get your troops ready, like, now. And they're ready in, like, a minute. Like, the troops are ready to go. Like, he was amazed how quickly they were able to get ready. All the artillery is rolled out. Everything we got. Heck, the old the what is it? The old lady? Yeah, the old the lady, old lady comes steam out. Steam tank. Cuz you got to have a steam tank. Why not? Of course. And it does really well. I'm, plus I like to have a steam tank. The mm-hmm. pride of the city, a steam tank. Not two, not three, not 12. A steam tank. And uh they bring that out and uh they're bringing the whole citadel through the breach. And so that's the end of Act 2. Mm-hmm. You know, we got Part 1. We figured out what's going on. Part 2, we try to fix it, and we fail horribly. Uh, not only are the bad guys executing their plan, but they're executing it very well. This is coming through. We haven't even seen the worst of it. All the bad stuff is gibbering and falling through. 
but the actual bad guys who've been here the whole time haven't shown their faces yet. And they're going to pop up, not falling from the skies, but right next to you while you're both mm-hmm. looking up. It's like, oh, this is bad. This is really bad. Um, and so then we move into Act 3, and of course Act 3 is where you get all the excitement, the adventure, and our protagonists are either going to succeed or fail in their ultimate goals of saving this city. So... Um, we will tackle that. How about when we come back? All right? Yeah, sounds good. All right. the garage hammer shirt who cares about him look at that guy with the garage hammer hoodie that's right guys nothing tells the ladies i'm one of the gaming elite like garage wear so hurry to garagehammer.net slash store and soon you'll be the guy at game night that all the gamer chicks are talking about remember boys first you get your gear then you win all your games then you get the chicks that's right, boys. The only gamers we notice are in Garage Gear. And we are back with Open Warfare in the City of Secrets. Yes, yes. I mean, it's Demonic Invasion. I mean, how great is this? Oh, yeah. Dude, this is a pretty exciting uh, uh, third act. Like, they did a, he did a nice job with it. He really did. Um, the battle's in full swing. Stuff's going everywhere. Uh, in the distance, he made out the great dome of the guild hall, rising above every other building in the square. The top of the structure had been shorn open, and lightning danced across the jagged edges. I'm like, ooh, they're already at it. Um, yeah, there's the sum, or the summit, as yeah. it were. Um, I actually didn't enjoy this part as much as I did the rest of the book, um, but I'm weird. so Why not? Well, just- now, what didn't you enjoy about it? For me, it was kind of like the culmination, and I was only interested in like part of it with um, the actual battle on the summit. That was the part that really got me, as opposed to what happened with the Iron Bulls and everything like that. It just it seemed the Iron Bull story seemed a little I don't know. It fell flat in comparison. I think. Well, I mean, somebody's got to defend this city. I mean, I thought it was really cool because I think what I liked was that every time they brought something new out, you got to see their reaction. What is that? Mm -hmm. What is that? Oh, no, what is that? I mean, plus you've got them coming in, and uh, uh, Vermeer sees all these kings like, oh, they're they're, they're here too quick. They shouldn't have gotten here this quick. This is... You know, it's it's not anything we can't handle, but it's kind of messing up our plans. He hoped that all the distrust that they've been sowing. And they talked about that in the, in the Zinch book. They've been sowing distrust among, uh, among the different units. 
mm-hmm. for their for their comrades. He was hoping that would slow them down a bit, but it didn't really slow them down. Uh, and then his units are going to kill the uninitiated in their own units. So any of the units that are mostly corrupted, once the actual signal's given and the fighting starts, if if this is an eighty percent corrupted unit, the first move is they stab out and kill out the other twenty percent, and then move along, and mm-hmm. then. Um, basically managed to in, in, insinuate themselves sort of encircle the other units um, you know however they can so that way when the moment's right they just turn on the units it's just oh this is so bad this is straight out of the battle tome too it's great mm-hmm. um, and um, you know it's what's really cool is the high arbiter who has been trying to uh, the high arbiter talks about how he had corrupted Kryn and how at first it just wasn't working at all. And the cool things he does to manipulate this wizard uh, is great. You realize that even though the wizard's the like powerful one, like the raw power, that the uh, the High Arbiter is the guy with the plan. He's the guy mm-hmm. moving and shaking this stuff. It's really interesting. Once again, and it's it's humans with the backing of the dark gods against humans. So it's keeping it... It's at a level where you, you ha- at least... You know, there's there's a good chance they're going to fail. I mean, if we're reading the book. We're going to assume they're going to do well because what kind of story would that be? But right. um, it's still, like I said, it gives you that whole sense of dread. Um, that's never ending assault of chaos. Totally playing the long game here. Like he goes after Kryn and he lost a whole group of agents because Kryn was like, "No way!" and reported them and had them all wiped out. But he's like, "Okay, back to square one." Um. Getting the right people to block Crin's access to certain magical stuff. You know, setting him in all the right little outside maneuvers he pulls against him from a distance. Little small inconveniences and stuff to sort of twist this wizard into going along with his plans. And eventually just corrupting him. I was like, oh, it's so good. Um, you know, I mean, and... and it's funny because Kryn's got a bit of a more <laughs> sort of attitude to him. Like, Nothing can stop me. It's all working. It's like, you know, every time he me- he opens his mouth, that's all it is. But mm-hmm. it's really, it's just effective. You know, um, it's just great. I just really like, uh, I like it, I guess. Um, yeah, and so there's the whole plan. Is the plan is to trash this so so Zinch can get the 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 giant stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you know, like you said, it's it's. I like the battle. I think a little more than you, but it's basically it's every other battle you've ever seen. Yeah, there's a bunch of humans. Was... They've got the cannons. They've got the hell blaster rocket batteries. They got their guns. They got their swords and. Basically, it's descriptions of all these different Zinch guys who they fight. Now, it was fun when the pink horrors attacked and he cuts the guy in half with his sword and then uh, the two halves sort of morph into individual creatures themselves, but they're blue. And he shoots mm-hmm. one of them and they turn into little sparky versions little that, that he's got to stamp out while the a second blue one runs away. Mm-hmm. Like, you get a lot of these things just popping in that... that uh, you know, but it's still it's it's a typical fantasy battle. Picture Empire versus Zinch. Every every and you little, got it. yeah every little trope and stereotype that you've come to expect happens in the battle. Right, um, and that's where it fell a little bit for me. But. Yeah, but I mean, it's it, 
like I said, there were parts. The descriptions going through the human's point of view, not knowing what they were seeing, but seeing it anyway, was kind of neat. Um, yeah, and the creepy silent air or birdmen archers flying around, shooting randomly, but always hitting things. So there's your sky fires, but right. I mean, that's describing prototypically what they are, and they're unnerved by the silence, right, compared to the rest of the squeaking horde. So, right, and then um, when the cannons start shooting into the ranks of the enemy, I love this. Beastmen and cultists simply disappeared. Their flesh blasted apart so fast that they seemed to simply transform into clouds of crimson mist. I've heard crimson mist descriptions from before, and it's always when people get shot with a bolter. So I'm telling yeah. you right now, they're turning this into 40K. Oh, my goodness. Worst con- worst thing ever. Yeah. Bringing in a bolter into the middle of a fantasy thing. What do they think they're doing? Wow. Guy. Yeah, well, you know, somebody's got to complain yeah. and be all bitter. No, um, it, I mean, we've always joked about turning things into a fine red mist when you shoot them to pieces. But yep. now that they actually brought it in. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, okay. Um, and then, of course, everybody puts everything they have into attacking the iron, the uh, the, the steam tank. And she takes supposed to do. Yeah, and she takes quite a beating, but she, uh, you know, she's... Uh, She's there for a while and doing what she can. It's pretty cool. There's some cool stuff going on. There. I'm trying to think of what else. Oh, the Algroid Thaumaturge shows up, and that scares the bejesus out of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a massive bull. Yeah. Just charging through, blasting people to bits. And this is this is one of this is, this is one of those parts that actually made me laugh when I was reading it because it's talking about something colossal th- strode through the smoke. It was twice the size of a man, many times as broad, with a rolling bestial gait that hinted at appalling strength. Two ridged horns swept back from its monstrous head, and it clutched a staff, topped with the skull of a beast of, in its oddly dexterous hands. Sickly, green-blue smoke poured from the eye sockets. A muscular tail whipped around the creature's hooved legs. It stopped and scanned the devastation before it. It locked eyes with calluses, and the beast smiled. Callus was up before the thought of running even entered his mind. <laughs> it's like... This thing's looking around. Callus is looking at it. Stops, looks at him, and smiles. Callus is running before he realizes he's running, which is a mm-hmm. completely natural reaction. Yeah. If you've got half a brain in your head, you you are running. I just saw a giant bull monster walking around with a big a big uh, a, a staff wielding magic and and destroying anything that got near it. And then he looked right at me. Callus is braver than I am because Callus is running away without having soiled himself. Yeah. You know, <laughs> there's a difference between me and him. I'd have been running with wet pants at this point. Yeah. So, uh, uh. And then he runs of all places to the summit. And it's like, what are you doing up there? Why are you going up there? Oh, he's not there yet. He's still running around, though. But, yeah, there's some interesting stuff. Um, oh, and I love when he hears the people reading the Zinch stuff or when he sees the Zinch symbols. They hurt his head, mm-hmm. which I think is a great little touch in this book just to get, just to keep pushing that how unnatural and foreign Zinch and his magic are. Looking at the symbols hurt, hearing them hateful, sickening symbols of devotion were emblazoned on deep blue robes or scorched upon bare flesh. They were chanting a low, droning sound in a language that turned Callus's stomach and felt a dull agony ripping through his skull. 
Like, if you're uncorrupted, this stuff is painful just to hear them saying the chants, much less the magic that it creates. Mm-hmm. But what it is is so wrong, so anathema to what they are, that it's just painful and sickening just for them to be in the where the guy's doing that. Um, and then I totally forgot about the Stormcast at this point. Yeah. And then they, they show up. Like show up out of nowhere. Yeah, and they show up out of nowhere. And this is really good. You know, we keep hearing them saying only the faithful and we and we read all these books and we know that they're all like, you know, in Sigmar's name, I have to defeat this whole army. The odds are against us, but we're stormcast, blah blah blah. Um you know, and we've read this so many times that we're used to it. And then you get once again, the human point of view. We're getting killed, and all of a sudden, there's a big flash of white. But was it? What are their colors? Pale. It's a pale cream and blue. Yeah. So that pale color goes, boom, flashing past, and suddenly, oh my goodness! And I mean, Callus is sitting there, like, you know, oh my good throne of Sigmar. And it says, uh, he, it was the first time he'd seen the stormcast in battle. He'd never forget it. The enemy were not even falling back. The shock and speed with the giant slew did not give them a chance. They raised their daggers and scepters high in an almost laughable attempt to defend themselves. The white giants simply swept them aside with arcing blows from silver warhammers and gleaming broadswords. The torn chunks of meat that had once been the traitor formation littered the ground. Broken bodies sailed through the air. Armored feet stamped down on mewling creatures, crushing necks and skulls. There was no rage in the giants' actions. Only pitiless and functional brutality. And it's like, this might be the best thing about this book, I think, that I forgot about the Stormcast up until right now. It made me forget about them completely. And then when they show up, that's that's scary. Yeah. And I... Like, they're uh, walking through, like, the term, like, a, like, a, like, like, Terminators. Like, Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Terminator Terminators. These things just show up, and nothing can get out of the way fast enough. Yeah. And that plays to how the Knights Excelsior, or the Knights Excelsior are actually supposed to fight. Their method of warfare is just a push. It's a solid wave, and they just keep going, and there's no stopping. There's no retreating. It's just you grind them down and you keep moving. It's and so good. Yeah. I mean, and it winds up being about 60, between 40 and 60 Stormcast basically against that whole army. And the whole army's in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, then uh, the matchups start happening. Mm-hmm. Toll finds uh, Vermeer out on the battlefield. So now the High Arbiter is going to fight the Witch Hunter. And, of course, there's that whole, you've never been able to beat me before in, in fencing. There's always a first time. You know, and so they got to the have this typical fight. type. I don't know. That's, I mean, it was nice for them to finally get their confrontation. But, um, I don't know. Like yeah, I no. said, it, it fell a little flat. But that's just me. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it, you know what it is? I, I didn't. I didn't find it fell flat. I found it was very familiar, though. Yes. I mean, this really is sort of... There, there's some... As much as I enjoy this, there's some really by-the-number stuff here. If you want to lay down, you know, a, a, in a play, you know, okay, first we found out what's going on. Then we go to our number one guy. Oh, look, number one guy is the guy who betrayed us. Okay, now we got to fight. Now we're alone. Now they're getting it up. Now we've got to go up there. They've already started. We're too late to stop them. We've got to try... 
you know, and now, okay, you keep going. And so the guy, Callus, who's like the guy who knows nothing, is running up there on his own. Uh, and he's going to be working with the Stormcast, apparently, because they're there, too. Uh, meanwhile, mm-hmm. this guy's, you know, f- setting off. And um, there is a cool thing, though, where he is fighting against Vermeer. And Vermeer is whooping the crap out of him. He just cannot take him in fencing. But um, they're slipping and sliding in the blood, and he falls, and Vermeer kind of gets right up next to him. And so he just headbutts him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he breaks his nose. And mm-hmm. now the High Arbiter's, oh, my God, and he's holding his face, and Hanover goes and slashes his throat. Uh, Hanover Tall slashes his throat, misses, gouges out half of the guy's eye. The guy's screaming, and he's in pain. And, uh, and uh, you know, this, this whole fight's going on. And then he pulls the craziest thing, and I'm, and I'm, I'm kind of jumping around here because it keeps cutting back between the fights. I'm going to stick with one fight at a time. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, he's lost. Like, it's it. He's done. And and Tal is ready to take... The witch hunter is ready to take this guy out. And he pulls out this stone and crushes it in his hands and knocks everybody back. It knocks like a clear circle around him. And as, as the witch hunter stands up, there's a portal there now. And he's standing in front of the portal and just glaring at Vermeer and says, oh, let's see... The portal hung in the air, bleeding, nauseating colors that flickered across the walls of the guild hall. Tall could hear a chorus of sibilant voices on the other side, whispering secrets and promises of eternal damnation. Vermeer stood back to the portal and let himself fall. As tendrils of spectral force wrapped themselves around his mutilated form, the former High Arbiter fixed his cold friend with a hateful stare. I'll see you soon, Hanover, he promised. And now he's gone. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, uh, like, like this, the way he gets out with the portal thing, I liked, you know, mm-hmm. uh, instead of the I just took him out. Meanwhile, um, meanwhile, the Stormcast are over there and they're going to fight. Crin. Uh, they're going to fight Crin. And um, he gets up there and he's like, you know, it's, it's the typical crazy old wizard. It's too late, you'll never stop me stuff going on here. Um, he creates giant brass, uh, you know, mechanical men out of just the 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 ground around them, sends them after them. Um, it, those things are giant things are killing Stormcast. You know, some of the Stormcast are fighting back and surviving. What's his name? The White Reaper is there, and he's just mm-hmm. vicious and brutal. And um, this is kind of a cool fight. Um Basically, Callus actually gets attacked. Callus gets attacked by one of these giant golems all by himself, and all he manages to do is to figure out if the thing's chasing him is to run real close to the ledge, and then duck out of the way at the last minute. And this thing charges right over the ledge after because he misses him. Yeah. Um. But then you get he gets he finally the White Reaper gets to Kryn, and Kryn's like, you think you could do this to me? He's trying to attack him, and Kryn's like, you can't hurt me with this stuff. I got power as each in me. And while he's yapping, this guy, this Lord Verna just reaches out and grabs him by the throat. Mm-hmm. And he's holding him by the neck. you not going to say any speeches now. Uh, yeah. And then he looks at him, you are judged a heretic and a traitor to the one true god that is Sigmar, Santanus growled. 
He leaned forward, his pitiless mask an inch from the wizard's terrified, gasping face. Burn. And I love this because he puts the light on him and the light just starts like, you know, he's screaming at this point. It's like burning away half of his face. And he leans in, you're a heretic. You burn. And that burns his damn skull right off his whole head. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he looks over at Callus and he's like, leave. Like, no thanks. No, hey, you gave me the information I needed. Because he does see him. He's like, the information in your head, I need it. Um, and Callus ain't stupid. Callus runs because he's basically destroying. They have to destroy the big mechanism that the old wizard was using to open the hole, the portal. And when they destroyed the thing, the portal snapped shut. Um, there's a pretty cool thing though that goes on. They do. They they shut the portal. The stormcast saved the day as far as the portal goes. Um, once that thing is shut and and Kryn is dead. Um, the demons start disappearing, and the cultists are no match for the army at that point um, because they, they have no more backing. But the topmost tower of the Crystal Labyrinth gets cut off when the portal closes. And, uh, and it crashes down to the, to the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of Into course, the Noble District is one of the big sections that got destroyed including the Palace of the High Arbiter, which was utterly obliterated in the chasmoclitic power of the fall. Yeah. Now, of course, when they cut the they cut the power and the thing gets cut off from the demon world and they cut the top of the tower off, of course it lands right on the bad guy's house. Mm-hmm. Like, and other stuff. But it also shattered. And I was sitting there going, oh, my goodness. If that falls and destroys this, you know, um, you know, it's, a, it, it, it's doing all this stuff, but... Uh, so they, there's pieces of a crystal labyrinth. There's zine stuff just laying around on the ground right now. I mean, that kind of is cool, but it also seems kind of dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is because the Stormcast Eternals go around and they protect it. They get around this stuff and don't let anybody near any bits of the crystal. They're going to collect this stuff and get it out of here. Um, yeah. And, of course, you know, it takes like another day. Another full day. They go get the general who's trapped under his horse when they shot his horse. Um, so the, the three guys are back together again. The general, the witch hunter, and and um, and Callus. Um, you know, but they've all made it. They get through it. And um, they're doing the best they can. And, hey, look, Callus, who is an outcast and one of the – he wasn't uh, Azir-born – um, couldn't buy himself a, uh, a position. He had to actually work real hard in the military for it forever. Gets a huge promotion for what he did there. So he is kind of a Schwartzhelm because he says when he goes, there's a part he actually talks about when he goes you know, to dinner and stuff, he goes to the mess and the other guys shun him because he's, you know, he's a lowly you know, loser you know, mm-hmm. guy. You know, once again, we're back to typical stuff, though. Um, yeah. I did like the ending when the witch hunter shows up and he's like, yeah, it looks like you're doing well. And he's like, uh, you know, and he's just drilling these guys and he's bored now. He's bored drilling. Like this is everything he always wanted was to be put in charge of, of these men. And now he's in charge of the men and he's not too sure that's what he wants, of course. Mm-hmm. And that's when the witch hunter shows up. He's like, I need an apprentice. But, um, you know that you have to go now, which means that you'd be guilty of desertion. 
Um, and he doesn't know if he wants to go, but he's like, yeah, you can't do this anymore. Now that you've seen what I've seen, he's like, nah, come on, witch hunter. That's the way to go, you know. Any this day is where, life for you. Yeah, any day where someone doesn't actually try to kill you is going to be a really good day. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, of course, he goes with him, and he tells me, you have to write me one hell of a great resignation letter. Yeah. Um, there was one section here where they're talking about, like, the wrap-up of the battle, going back a little bit. Oh, right, right. Um, the warriors of the Knights Excelsior wasted no time in surrounding and guarding the fallen pieces. The remnants of the Cold Guard Regiment, which is Callus's regiment, judged to be corrupted beyond hope of redemption, were rounded up and led to the dreaded Consecralium. The screams of the dying echoed across the city for many nights, and the legend of the White Reaper's ruthlessness only grew. So they're still butchering people in the hopes of like scaring people. They lose thousands of people when this crystal tower comes crashing through. Well, so, and you need the info from these guys. I mean, yeah. they were traitors. They've got to be purified, and if they're found guilty, we get information, and then you purify them you know, by painful death. Yeah, and it's still the kind of cold detachment that Stormcasts have from regular humans. Yep. And just the way that they interact with them and the way that they treat them is – it's not – it's not too dissimilar from like Space Marines with humans. I know that's no, it's the not. Horrible People don't con- like to hear that. You know, not everyone wants to hear that connection. But it's, it's it reminded me of it too. Yeah, and it's and it's true. I mean, there are some that are. But if this story had been told from to humans, the Stormcast but, point of view, yeah, it would have just been they were finding all the corrupted guys, you know, and yeah. doing what they had to do to find all the corrupted. Uh, ones and there wouldn't even be any mention of anyone. You know, we might have caught a couple of innocents in here, or you know, other people might be scared. It's not their concern. No, their concern their is stopping chaos. Yeah, and you know, when you read the Stormcast books, so you can't like you can't fault them or disagree with them. And then you read it from like I said, that's what's so great about this book is you get that other point of view, and you're like, wow, they're really scary, aren't they? They are pretty scary. Yeah. So it's a whole new way to look at this universe, which really changes perspectives as it should. And it puts it into a much more relatable mindset aside from the avenue of a superhero, as it were. Yeah. It's not all superheroes fighting all superheroes. Now we've got people there and it's nice to see these cities starting to form again. And it's nice to see that they're being populated by multiple races because this is sort of the backbone of, of what I think the, the lore needs. You know, mm-hmm. not the game. I mean, the game, you can play whatever races you want. Who gives a crap? Um, but the lore needs, it needs an anchor in with, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's the one thing that it's sort of uh, been missing. Even though I've been enjoying a lot of the fluff, there's no real, uh, it's like I said, it's it's all heroes. Stormcast Eternals are giant heroes. They're fighting against chaos. who are all monsters. Then you bring in the dwarfs who are, they're not human. You know, they're not. And they may be familiar to us, but they're not human. You bring in the elves, and boy, they're not human. Yeah, I think up to this point, the closest human comparison we've had has been crypt ghouls and everything like that. But now you've actually included, like, the real people and what their place is. And I'm certain that the other races would think they're the real people, too. But the people we can relate to finally are here. Yeah. You know, and it, it, it gives us a place. It gives us a grounding 
uh, a place to feed, a, a, a center ground, a middle ground, if you will, for them to to start from, mm-hmm. um, and to relate to. And it's just it's so good. It's such a great book. It's it's yeah. got its flaws. Okay, it is. It's it, there's a lot of by the number stuff here. There's a lot of um, just very archetypal story bits in here. Um, it follows a lot of different tropes that you're very familiar with. So when it pops up, you're just like, oh, yeah, I was kind of expecting that. Um, maybe it would have been nice if we got something we weren't expecting, but I'm not I'm not complaining. No, because what we've been missing has been this. Yes. So it, while it's imperfect, it's absolutely what we've been needing for so long that I don't care. Right. So that's I think that's about it. Yeah. It was so good. It was so much fun. I hope they give us more of this. Yeah, and it's not a part of any given series. It's kind of a one-off. Yep, um, but it's from those. I hope le- they yeah, keep- it's a Legend of Sigmar, a Legend yeah. of Age of Sigmar. I hope they keep stuff like this coming to keep developing, kind of like that the basic, as it were. Right, so. and it's like I'd like to see some of these characters again, but it's like there's seven other realms too, and there's got to be oh, people yeah. like this in the other realms as well. It's got to be in every realm, you know. If we're if we're in all the realms and we're connected by all the realm gates, there's going to be more witch hunters in other cities and other people and stuff like that. And you gotta, you know, it's going to be different characters for that stuff. You don't need him to go to place to place to place, mm-hmm. you know, because you've got them in every every realm. So, you know, maybe we never see these characters again. But I did enjoy. I did like them. So yeah. <sighs> Anything else? None on this book. Nope. I think that's it. Folks, um, I think we're wrapping it up here. Actually going a little longer than we planned. Um, hey, we'll see a lot of you at Adepticon. You might be listening to this before Adepticon. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, hey, listen, if you if you would be so kind, you can either leave us a nice iTunes review or check out the store at garagehammer.net slash store. But mostly, if you could check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash garagehammer. Take a look at it. Thank you to the half a percent who are in there and, and are really helping out and making this show uh, thrive and grow. We've got our second YouTube video up. I was working with the editing software. It's working better. Uh, I know over spring break I've got at least two videos lined up that I want to work on, and now that I know how to do it, I can edit them and get them out. So there's a lot going on, and that is all thanks to the Patreon sponsors. So please feel free to take a look, and if you feel the show's worth it and you want to Give us a little tip at the end of every show. Give us a little help. Do we really appreciate it? So thank you for that. Alex, I'll see you in about 72 hours. That is a long 72 hours, brother. Oh, it's, no, it is not. There's not enough time in those 72 hours to do everything I want to do. No, I, I have less. <laughs> I think I have to bring that. I think I have to bring the, the display board that I used. That or I got to bring a crummy old one. I wanted just to build a small one, like a one foot by two foot, just to put all my stuff on. And I don't know if I have time to just throw one together. So, yeah, we'll see. Time is of the essence. But once we get going, it ain't going to stop for four days, which is kind of crazy. No, it's going to be a great time. I can't wait to see all my friends and and play games and and have a good time because that's what I do. Mm -hmm. Harrison's all excited because almost everybody that works at UGG is going to be at Adepticon. So he's like, I get to work all weekend. I'm going to make money. (laughs) He wants to buy a Nintendo Switch, so he's all about making that money. Gotcha. So, 
All right, so I guess we're going to wrap it up here. And as we always do, folks, until next time, only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall. And only the faithful know no despair except in failure. <laughs>